Hey, Disco, did you get that article from Andrew Skirka's blog I sent you yesterday? Yeah, I got it, and I'm not so sure about it. So what exactly aren't you so sure about? Yeah, so the part where he talks about hiking and peeing at the same time. What? Stop, I don't remember that part. Yeah, let me refresh your memory. So right here under the part where he talks about the six ways to hike more hours, he says, I use a digital voice recorder. I receive mail drops so I can avoid the grocery store. I store my water bottles in the side pockets for easy access. I don't purify my water if I'm confident in the source. And I even urinate while walking. Dude, that guy's crazy. He's making things up. He doesn't hike and pee at the same time. <clears throat> hey, guys. Whoa. Whoa. No way. It's Andrew Skirker right here in the Trail Show Studios. That's right, D-Lo. And what you've read is true. I can urinate and hike at the same time. In fact, if you weren't so busy landscaping and actually got out hiking more, you could learn this valuable skill, too. Disco, start the show. Bear has nothing to do with hiking. Get on the trail! We're talking about dirt, mud, blood, and guts. Can nobody fiesta? It's the trail show. My God, Polly. Featuring Lawton Disco Grinter. What the hell are you two doing, Mike? Felicia P.O.D. Hermosillo. What are you girls doing up here? Mike Dilo DiLorenzo. Yeah! Paul Mags Magnanti. He's a fraud. And now, from D.Lo's basement, it's the trail show. Yes, yes, coming to you live from Boulder, Colorado's Eastern Beer District in the Bobby Walter studio at Casa Magnanti. You are listening to The Trail Show. We are heard worldwide on iTunes, Stitcher, and at thetrailshow.com. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell everyone on the trail with you right now about The Trail Show. It is May 19th, and we can't tell you how ecstatic we are to have you with us today to celebrate our three-year anniversary. Yes! Arriba, 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 tota! And more importantly, the birthday of one Paul Mags Mignanti. Arriba, 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 tota! 30 years young If we can. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Maggie. Cha cha cha. Happy birthday to you. Cha cha cha. And many more. Mag speech. Speech, Mag speech. Anything? It's both an honor and a blessing to be here at my birthday. Of course, it is. Of course, it is my house. But you know. Okay, very good. We have a big show today, ladies and gentlemen. He was taping a special across the hallway. This month in studio, we have the only person to have hiked the C to C route and Great Western Loop, and the only man to have shared a two-person Sierra Design sleeping bag at Winter OR with Paul Mignanti, Mr. Andrew Paul Revere Skirka. Was that special a how-to? Was it a how-to special that you were taping across the uh, way there? How to pee and walk and... (laughs) So on and so forth. <clears throat> I think those days might be long, long oh. past. Oh. Yeah. You don't pee and walk anymore. Well, I don't wear running shorts that often oh, on yeah. my trips, so yeah. it's um, more difficult. It, you know, it's, once you go to pants, it becomes really difficult. Well, to yeah, pee dude, and walk it's super revealing to like yeah. walk around with your, you know, unzip your zipper, keep walking, pee. Hey, and man, then you, you're, tipping, up, you're right? tipping the trail tip, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Come Too on. soon, man. Hold, hold, just hold that thought, Is the dealer. trail tip how to pee while you're wearing yes, jeans? Exactly. Hold that thought, dealer. Dick Cheney's going to guess so as well. Andrew's going to talk to us a bit today about the Kings Canyon High Basin route and the concept of short is the new long. Thanks, Andrew, for coming on the show. 
Thank you. Looking forward to it. All right, Mags, let's set the table. What are we serving up today? We're serving a delicious buffet of surfaces. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a callback to a previous show. That's right. That's right. Uh, It's our usual trail news, which kind of involves jeans. Very, very appropriate. It's kind of a, it's a sequel to a previous news item we got a lot of mileage out of. Oh, oh the blowtorch. Okay. It's very similar. Okay. It, it takes, I'll give you a little tip. It takes place in Kentucky. Ooh, Ooh this sounds about right. Okay. Wow. Yes. Um, we're talking about Trail of the Month. Short is the new long. Yes. Um, I did t- you just say Trail of the Mulch? Of the Month. Oh, okay. That's the trail in Delo's no, backyard. No, he did not say that. <laughs> trail of the Mulch, yes. D- the Delo Trail and. South Boulder there. <laughs> Let's see. iTunes top five, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. A recap of the brew hike. A trips from the past month, especially uh, PCTKO. Excited to Ooh. hear about that. Yeah, yeah. With the new uh, two-part, well, part of it. So Yeah, it's a uh, double header now. Yeah. The trail tip. We have the mailbag, Baron Bandwidth Sponsor Shoutouts. We have a documentary on Nat Geo Wild Horses. And the French wedge. The French wedge, which we'll we'll, we'll just tease that. Yes. You know, we don't want to tip a, our a hand. A little bonus. Yeah. Uh, talking about our bear of the month, Ask a Hiker with D-Lo, and of course, gear reviews. Oh, sounds good. Well, let's get right into, get to right into Mike DiLorenzo's beer, beer of the month. Beer of the month. D-Lo, take it away. Let's see if you can do it. I, you know, I have no idea what we're drinking. <laughs> Um, it, so far, I've had pretty a standard, super tasty beer that's not in front of me anymore. It was a double IPA it's right from, there from somewhere in Michigan. Great it's called the, the Chill Wave. It is an okay. So we have beer. we have here tonight with us a bag of Michigan beers from Frito Roll Tide Garcia. Did you like that R rolling? I did. Yeah, so rolled shout out, R. Shout out to the Mexicanos. Nice um, work, Dilo. Yeah, thanks, guys. So we've got some uh, lots of Michigan beers here that. Frito Roltide Garcia and Aaron. brought to us, and Aaron, they brought these beers to us um, on horseback. These guys actually came from Michigan to, Bold, uh, to Lakewood, Colorado on the back of a horse. It took about a month and a half, but they, they came rode here. double, actually, on the They same rode horse. double, and they towed a little trailer behind the horse. All right, enough with the bull. What, what, this is not bullshit. This is for real, man. Frito what rode beer a horse are we drinking? Here. Tonight, so far, I've had the Great Lakes Brewing Company. Chill Wave Double IPA, which was just outstanding. 9.4% alcohol by volume. We also Best had at 45 the, degrees Fahrenheit. California Redemption. Please, please. We also had the Disco <laughs> they got a Berliner in style Weiss beer, which yes. was quite sour. Which I oh, love. Max was in heaven. What's that other one, D-Lo? And this second, third beer that we've had tonight is the Shorts Brew Space Rock. And that has nothing to do with crack cocaine. It's just called Space Rock. It's American Pale Ale hopped with some tasty little nuggets of alien technology. Shorts Brewing Company, one of the best breweries in Michigan. It's true. Make yeah. no mistake. So we have a mixed bag. Compliments of Frito Rosal Garcia and Aaron, who were on the brew hike this weekend. And uh, they brought this beer from Michigan. And we're just going to enjoy a variety and we'll discuss as we go. One more thing to say about this shorts no, beer. No, no, just real quick, real quick. They have a five cent New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Maine, Delaware, Iowa, Vermont, mm. and a 10 cent. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Okay. That's, just a little, that's just a little nugget for our listeners. 
And with all the news that's fit to be heard, Mr. Paul Mags Mignanti. Mags, take it away. I was going to say real quick, I bet there was a nugget or two involved. There was a nugget. Probably. No, that was one of our listeners has given me a hard time because he says, all Tilo ever does is just read the labels from and the And it's true. And now, will you put those back in the bag, the empties? No, I'm, re- I'm going to keep reading the labels. All right. No, we go to the news now. So Yeah, please, Tilo. Right. So, the first news item. September 2nd, 2015, you heard of Wild, where here's the original. A walk in the Woods oh, movie. It's going to debut on the... Well, it's already at Sundance, but now the national distribution. Oh, my god! We gosh. should actually have a party for this one, because we know this is one that's going to be funny, right? It's not going to be... We do. I don't think up. there's any shooting of horses or yeah. heroin addicts. Yeah, or... we should actually but like, you know take what? heroin and go see this one. <laughs> and shoot a horse on the way over. <laughs> yes. But you know what's going to be bad about this movie? There's no Meadowhead in it. Well... Maybe we should all dress up as Meadowhead and go to the movie. And crash the Appalachian Trail movie. Yeah. That'd be great. But there is going to be Robert Redford. And um, who's playing Cats? Uh, Nolte. Nick Nolte. Um, how, oh, my God. The, hmm. That's an all-star cast right what there. What could possibly go wrong? Classic cast. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. All uh, right. Schedule it, people. Upcoming calendar. There's going to be a trail show viewing. Andrew, are you going to go see it? Well, since I finally just saw Wild um, on Sunday night. Oh, don't maybe, ruin it for uh, me. Don't ruin it for <laughs> me. Wait, where did you see it Sunday night? Is it on Netflix now? No, it's, I, we rented it out of Redbox. Oh, don't spoil yeah. it for me. Yeah. I have like two pages left. <laughs> he he doesn't know the ending. Yeah. Three years later, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a helicopter I, crash. These jokes don't get old, do they? No, sir. Uh, okay. Anyway, yeah. anyway. So this one's kind of boring, but hey, it's a news item. There was a a fire in a Korean plant that makes the canisters for fuel. Oh, the isobutane canisters. Yeah, sixty percent of the world. It was in January, but now this between what? that and the, yeah, in Korea. Korea makes sixty uh, percent of the world production. This one plant. Wow, that's kind of big news. It is. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So the canisters from Korea get shipped over here. Yeah. See, this hmm. one plant makes a pr- according to the article anyway. Sounds about right. Sixty wow. percent of the world's production. One plant. So, so should we? So should we go stock up on fuel canisters? <laughs> we well, it happened in January, right? Andrew, we need more robust global supply pl- lines. Talk to me about that. Why aren't our global supply lines more robust in this day and age? We know that we can't just have one point of failure in a global no, supply chain. No, it's only sixty percent. Yeah, it's only right. But that's more just than just a little half. over half. What happened? Now there's only forty percent of the volume of fuel fuel canisters on the market. Yeah, but they're going right to be time well, for the uh, American hiking season. Andrew, this is a big deal. Yeah, but you're assuming that um, that the other factories don't have any extra capacity. Yeah, wow. come on, Dylan. Yeah. You were no, probably, you, were you reading about this on Bloomberg today before you came onto the show? <laughs> it was, I did not find it on Bloomberg. <laughs> it's Max's news story, Dylan. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Being a little somber here, of course, the earthquake. Um, 8,500 died total as of two days ago. Yeah. The second earthquake. Yes. In Nepal. <clears throat> follow-up. Yep. So that was a very, very sad. I think it, we might be doing a little announcement of something we'll be doing. For do you want to? Maybe we should do it right yeah, now. Yeah, let's do, let's it, right do now. it right now. Okay. So we have a listener, Joey Ritchie, who's written in before, and he just sent us this email. He says, my name is Joey, and I've written in before. I'm out vagabonding now, trekking in Nepal. I was going to be a repeat offender on the beer and bandwidth sponsorship, but in light of the devastating earthquake here, I decided to donate the money to Earthquake Relief instead. Hope you don't mind. We don't mind at all. He goes on to write, When the quake struck, I was in the middle of hiking the Three Passes route near Mount Everest. Um, It's a beautiful and breathless route where I spent over a week above 15,000 feet and maxed out at a little over 18,000 feet. Where I was, the earthquake just felt like a large train passed very near the tea house I was in. It was a bit scary and we ran outside. 
but didn't think much of it afterwards. It wasn't until several, several days later that I started hearing trail rumor that it might have been a very large-scale earthquake. Although trail rumor is almost always wrong or exaggerated, unfortunately for once it was true. Most of what I saw was stone walls knocked over, although one village had almost every building damaged, some beyond repair. Other parts of Nepal were hit much worse. If you read this on air, by that time the Nepal earthquake will probably have faded from most of Western consciousness. The need will still be large, though, especially with monsoon season approaching. Nepal is a very popular destination for trekkers, but was a very poor country even before this disaster. If any trail show listeners are so moved and able, I would encourage them to find a reputable charity and make a donation. A lot of people died or were left homeless. Joey. So we have decided that we're going to take this month's donations for the trail show and, excuse me, and give them to a local uh, family here that from the uh, the Sherpa House restaurant. They have uh, a Kickstarter, basically, that they're raising a bunch of money f- to rebuild their entire village because most of it was damaged pretty heavily. Yeah, so, and, and folks might know it's Pemba Sherpa yeah. who runs Sherpa House Restaurant. And he grew up in um, a little village called Sangma. So he specifically raised the money to rebuild houses in that village, which is his home village, because they... Pretty much all got devastated. Yeah, and I would just suggest we're going to put a link up on our Facebook page to uh, donate to that effort. But you know, feel free to donate to that effort, or if you have a different Nepalese earthquake relief um, fund you'd like to donate to, do that too. We're just, you know, we want to do do a little something because it it is a true tragedy what's happened over there. And they do host so many Americans uh, in that part of the world, so I kind of feel like it's it's on us too to help rebuild. So thanks, Joey, for your your letter, and yeah, we'll all donate accordingly. Mags. All right. Uh, This was a pretty interesting one. I know Disco is interested in discussing it, but the landowner kicks uh, hikers off his superior hiking trail property. He had an easement. Well, what basically happened, um, this landowner had an easement of five miles or so on superior hiking trail, and to quote the landowner, 95% of the hikers are great. Those other 5% ruined it for the rest. It was going from two or three incidences a year to four or five. Um, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, was he, he, it's his private property, and he had uh, an older person bow hunting on his property, and some of the hikers were yelling at the bow hunter because they were hunting, uh, essentially. Oh, they didn't want the... And this was a friend of the owner, I, I assume, yes. the bow hunter. Yeah. Well, the guy who owns it, he's a, a deer hunter and owns his own taxidermy. Okay. So so he's like, you know, sure, come on my land, um, use it for the trail. Please don't camp, start fires. Um, you're just walking through, essentially. Right. So what did people do? They camped. Well, they started, started fires. fires oh. And yelled, And he used to do ATV on his own property. People yelled at them because they were ATVing. And he's like, enough, off. Yeah. So, Can't blame him, really. Oh, I don't blame him either. What are you going to do? I guess. So, and, and that's maybe another discussion, but going back to a bonus show we have with the ethics. and mm-hmm. uh, Sure. It seems like it's a trend now and hiking trails for better or worse where you know people are overstepping their bounds and exactly yeah uh let's see well and on a positive note kind of <laughs> actually can, can we go back to that yeah let's sure, do. please do. um i feel like i read i read an article too and the landowner said he was open to uh future access but that something might have to be sort of changed is that your was that your understanding um, I didn't read that article, but it may have been an update. Okay. He spoke very highly. I said 95% of the hikers are very good, and he spoke very highly of the uh, Superior Hiking Trail Organization. Yeah. He 
and I saw the news clip. He seemed a very reasonable person. Yeah. But he said, I don't need to get yelled at at my own property. Yeah. Sure. And, and Andrew, what I read was that the Superior Hiking Trail Association was already rerouting the trail around this gentleman's property, which leads me to believe that hmm. at least for the near future, it's not going to go through his property okay. anymore. Yeah, maybe, maybe I misread or confusing or, stories. Or maybe he's trying to say, hey, you know, you've been good friends and neighbors, but sure. I need some assurance this won't happen again. What else you got well, there, Mags? I think if this is a sequel to the infamous propane oh, yes. torch story. <laughs> Please. So I just read this today, but lost hikers in the Red River Gorge of Kentucky lit their clothes on fire for light when they got lost. <laughs> We've already been down this road, Max. They must be trail show listeners. They must be trail show listeners. Only it, trail it show gets listener better. Or they, so or they have cousins from Georgia. Yeah. They were on a hike. <laughs> the other. That started at 6 o'clock a, on Monday. Okay. They called in at 10.30 at night that same night. Wow. Saying they were lost. Okay. And they got rescued at 1 a.m. And they were two miles in the Chateauy Trace Trail. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> they had only gone two miles? Yes. I'm, I don't, the article didn't seem... Yes, there's wait. a little bit of alcohol involved. Seven hours, two miles. P.O.D. And everyone, not all miles are created equal. That's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, maybe two miles of the Mahusik Notch, I could see. But, well, but you're not giving them enough credit. They might have gotten turned around. <laughs> and, like, maybe they actually ended up hiking like 20 miles that day. And true. They just true. Were, they maybe did. they're doing yo-yos. Yeah, they yeah. <laughs> On the shelter we trace trail, really. Two miles, maybe yeah. they were training. Yeah, maybe they're doing laps well, and training. But you know? they called four and a half hours into their night hike, and, and when when okay. the search and rescue team came by, they were in their boxer shorts. Essentially, <laughs> <laughs> at least on the picture, it showed. It. <laughs> 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 I'm surprised they weren't wearing tidy whities <laughs> Was a field sobriety test given at any point? I, I didn't see this. This is just published today. Okay, and they lit their clothes on fire. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> was that wait, in, in an effort to stay warm? Yeah, and for light. To, to, and for to light. do some <laughs> trail search, wait, some wait. route finding. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let me burn my clothes that I'm wearing to keep me warm. Yes. And have yeah. light. And, and yeah. so that I could see. That was the same thing yeah. in the Smokies. Did these guys have a blowtorch, too? <laughs> That would just make yeah, how did the fires, how did yeah. they ignite the clothing? You know, that might be a follow-up article. Okay, but I read, the, I read this. This is just a sequel to... They just burned them with their swisher sweets. Oh, my God. So, I guess for the 11th essential, bring a propane blowtorch. Yeah. Right. True. Ha- have you guys... All and, right. And that was all of Mr. Max's news. Dilo, what were you saying? Have you guys ever tried to burn your clothes? Not on mm, purpose. No. No? No one? Well, I know that they don't burn very well. I mean, how many yeah, how many down jackets do you have that have like holes well, in them from I fire? <laughs> I mean, I mean I'm but just maybe curious. if you're wearing cotton, because yeah. I think they were probably wearing cotton. It probably burns better. Maybe we should do a little experiment here and try and burn some clothes and see what happens. It's pretty oh, wet outside. Oh, oh, I thought of a great. You know, MythBusters will take these ideas. <laughs> yeah, Dude. we're gonna do our own show. Okay. We're gonna take a synth- night hike. We're gonna see. do down versus synthetic versus cotton. Then which will burn better? And just start burning clothes. Then we have I to get the it. trail show legal department involved, and we have lawyers on retainer, and it's an extra expense. I, I, I don't know, man. When we finally do our live show, you know, tape with the video that people want, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're gonna do. <laughs> we'll have a big. We'll have a campfire made solely of clothes. <laughs> we'll call it "What Will Burn." Oh, you know, the, these could be clothes that were given to Goodwill that were going to charitable organizations or things like that. But we're just gonna burn them. All right, I'm whacking the vacuum tube. Yeah, let's let's get back on track here. We got to get into this larger discussion of short is the new long, and specifically the Kings Canyon High <clears throat> Basin route that Mr. Andrew Skirka himself recently developed out of thin air. 
or made occur out of thin air? Yes? Uh, yeah, maybe out of thin air. I mean, it w- yeah, there was no, um, there still is nothing official about it. It's never going to be recognized by the National Park Service. Um, sure. For me, the High Basin Route, uh, the Kings Canyon High Basin Route was um, sort of very much in the theme of the Sierra High Route, which was developed by Steve Roper back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, for me, that was uh, one of the, the most, uh, sort of transformative backcountry experiences that I've had. It opened up my really? eyes to, uh, yeah, it's uh, 200 miles long. Um, uh, <clears throat> but up to that point, I'd hiked entirely on trails. And this year, high route, suddenly I was off trail. And it made me realize that I didn't need or no longer needed to be dependent on uh, trail crews and guidebook authors and um, other backpackers who'd gone through and built cairns. Like I could kind of make this all, I could. I could wander on my own. So the Kings Canyon High Basin Route is, uh, it's a it's similar area. It's still in the High Sierra, but it um, stays in the upper watershed uh, solely of the Kings Canyon River. Okay. And H- How many miles long total? Uh, it's about 125. Okay. And it's a very hard 125. It has uh, about 700 vertical feet of uh, elevation gain or loss per mile. Okay. Which is about... Uh, it's a little over double the John Muir Trail, uh, about double the Appalachian Trail. So it's big up, big down. Um, and two-thirds wow. of the route is off-trail. So it's about 85 miles of off-trail travel. Oh, wow. Um, and where does it start and finish? <coughs> so the uh, the start and finish are um, the on the southern end is Lodgepole, which is a – there's like campground visitors. Um, there's like a backcountry office there. Uh, there's a little store. And then on the north end is Rhodes End, which is um, in the south fork of the Kings Canyon River, and that's literally where the road ends. Um, there's a wilderness permit station near. It's there. It's um, uh, Cedar Grove is about six miles down the road, and there are some services there. And the the two ends can be connected uh, with 25 miles of trail hiking. And there was a, a temptation oh, wow. temptation to kind of make the whole route um, sort of a loop. Sure. But I just felt like those 25 miles lacked the pizzazz that the mm. remaining 125 had so you know it's certainly the wonderful thing about a route is that it's not official it's you like this is sort of a sort of a recommendation or like a proposal yeah. but it doesn't uh, it's not like say the Appalachian Trail where literally like every single foot of the Appalachian Trail is so well established um, so this one that if someone wants to do this extra 25 miles and make their life easy by not having to bother with a shuttle they can uh, the route is can also be broken down into a series of section hikes. So, okay. like when I put together the guidebook for the route, I included sort of six recommended section hikes because the reality is that um, you know, most individuals are going to struggle to do 125 miles of this intensity in the amount of time that they have available. Okay, is it more intense than the Sierra High Route? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think... Um, POD really wants to know because she's about to go out on the Sierra High Route in July. So they're, they're, different, <laughs> they're, they're, different, they're different trips in the sense... So the Sierra High Route is... The Sierra High Route I would describe as like... That's kind of the classic Sierra line where it's paralleling the Sierra Crest from, mm-hmm. from the South Fork of Kings Canyon all the way up to Twin Lakes outside of Yosemite. Um, the logistics on it are difficult. Um, it, it, it oftentimes... It's kind of like the tale of two world or the or the tale of two cities um, where there are these amazing uh, off trail sections through like Palisades Basin mm-hmm. or along the Monarch Divide, and then it drops onto the John Muir Trail and you'll follow John Muir right. Trail for like twenty miles. And the John Muir Trail, as we all know, is 
like extremely heavily uh, trafficked and lots <laughs> right. of people and extremely just a little bit extremely lots of people with extra food yeah that's not necessarily a bad perk that's right <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it kind of feels a little discontinuous uh, whereas the King's Canyon High Basin route um, you know, two thirds of it is off trail versus about 50-50 for the high route but the remaining one third of those miles they're they're in pretty light uh, like r- pretty remote areas and pretty lightly trafficked. So I'd fe- say it feels more continuous and more, it has a better flow than the high route does. And obviously the logistics are way easier too. Okay. And, and, and I was just thinking if someone were going to do that route and they wanted to do the loop for logistical purposes, maybe they could do the 25 miles at the start. Yeah, so what you would do is, you know? um, if you wanted to do the whole thing as a loop, you'd probably the best thing to do would be to start at the um, the South Fork of the Kings Canyon at, at Road's End, and then you hike 25 miles on trail yeah. to um, the Silliman Crest, and then you basically pick up the Kings Canyon High Basin route from there. And then uh, the nice thing about that first 25 miles, it's all on trail, so you can eat through some food, you can get acclimated before you really start getting your butt whipped by all the off-trail <laughs> travel on the high elevations. Yeah. So it's a 25-mile approach trail. How yeah, t- how, uh, <laughs> something like that. How, how technical does the route get? Are there class four stretches, class five stretches? Is it all class three? No, Talus? it's what's, what's so going it's, on. So the um, the technical difficulty stops at class two, class two plus. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. So, so talus scrambling. It, but right, so there's a lot of talus. Yep. Um, a- as you'd expect in the High Sierra, um, there shouldn't be any sort of scrambling where you're like having to like really have to use your hands have you to don't use have your to hands use your like hands, i mean yeah. do you, you'll you'll want to use them for balance sure, sure. like especially when you're but on you don't have to pull yourself up over there's, yeah there's, there's no, no pulling <clears throat> yeah. are foot. there are there stretches like that on the sierra high route where you have to pull yourself up well there, I there's mean, like some class two plus <laughs> class three minus on sections the sierra, on a high route oh yeah I mean, there, okay. but there but it's very limited it's like the one the one area that comes to mind is say like stanton pass where there's a slab on the north side um, that it makes sense to go up the slab, and it's mm-hmm. and it's class three. Mm-hmm. But you know, class three for for someone who's going to take on a route like this, chances yeah. are they're, they're it's pretty athletic individual. They're right. strong. They, and, they um, could do a pull up. They could pull themselves uh, up something. Yeah. It's I not. It's not up. climbing oh like God. that. It's like more scrambling. Uh-huh. It's, it's really not. Um, the Kings Canyon High Basin route and the Sierra High route are not technical trips. Okay, um, I'd say that there's like. Um, I just um, spent a week down in southern Utah and down in Escalante doing a um, Steve Allen's overland route, and that has way more technical features on sure. it than hmm. um, than uh, the Kings Canyon High Basin route. I th- I'd say that the the biggest challenges of the Kings Canyon High Basin route. I mean, there are a couple of them. So one is just it's a huge amount of off trail travel, right? Like you know, eighty five miles of off trail travel, and if you're not accustomed to traveling off trail, that becomes sort of really tiresome, or it becomes very mentally taxing of always having to pay attention, always like you know, there you can never be on autopilot. There are uh, significant sections of uh, sort of like uneven terrain, be it talus or just or slabs or like where again the walking is just not easy. So it's much more athletic, much more much more powerful. Uh, there's a huge amount of vertical gain and loss. So you just you know, bring your leg muscles with you, and then um, the logistics are are difficult. So there really is no convenient place to resupply along the route. And uh. you know, you would think, say, 125 miles. Well, that's not you know, that's not that far. I can do 125 <laughs> miles in one hump. And yes, you probably can. But uh, you know, you probably. But like I said earlier, not all miles are created equal. That's right, yeah. right. So if you're a, I, I figure that depending on your navigation skills and your comfort traveling off trail, um, you should expect to be anywhere from say like one third to two thirds of your normal on-trail hiking pace when mm-hmm. you're when you're doing these off-trail wow. legs. 
Um, so that means you've got to carry a lot of food. It would be a lot of food. Like, so, for example, like, I think that I could do the whole route in six or seven days. Okay. But you are a National Geographic <laughs> Adventurer of the Year. I mean, like, Mags and I are not National Geographic Adventurers of the Year. Well, that's, that, that's <laughs> you, but you want to be. That, Dilo, you really want to be. I can see it in your eyes. They need well, to feature your yard. <laughs> yeah, nobody's going to vote for me, yeah. like, hanging out of my yard, mowing the lawn or something. You know, it's my, not happening. Man. My question is, if you have to burn clothes, what should you take? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it sounds like it's remote. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious about how many pairs of jeans should I take <laughs> to burn. for emergency yeah. burning? Or oh, what about, you know, the 6535 Dickies? You know? Well, you know, Snow Peak makes that ultralight wind torch, That's that blow right. torch. Yeah. Before we Did you start carry one of those? I do not carry one of those. Maybe <laughs> oh. I should. Should yeah. I? I think so. I think so. Before we ask Andrew about what types of jeans he brought on this trip to burn to keep himself warm, we actually need to do our trail show Mythbusters episode and burn <laughs> some jeans ourselves to see what works and what doesn't. Well, okay. I've got a question about red tape and permits. Like, what you know, what oh, what God. kind of permits do you need, and do you need a bear canister or not through this this King's Canyon High Basin route? So I'll take on the. Um, two questions separately. So as far as permits, you're you're within uh, Kings Canyon or Sequoia Kings Canyon National Park the entire okay. time. Okay. So the permits are if if you start at Lodgepole or if you start at Roads End. So the permits are actually pretty easy. So um, depending on the on the trailhead, a certain number of the permits can be reserved ahead of time, and then the remainder are available for walk up. Right. So if you don't get your per- permit reservation ahead of time, it's not that big of a deal. You just have to make sure to get there early in the morning. Sure. And kind of be waiting when the wilderness office opens. And if you're not a large group, I can't imagine it would be a big problem to pull the pull a permit that you want. You can also access the route from uh, the east side uh, th- through Inyo National Forest. And the most convenient trailheads there are going to be Ungan Valley and and South Lake. Yeah, sure. So if you access the, um, those trailheads to do like a loop on the Kings Canyon High Basin route, you'll need a permit from Inyo. And in the High Sierra, all of those land management agencies have come together and decided that you only need a permit from the land managers um, that manage the land where you're starting. So you don't need a permit also for Sequoia Kings Canyon National Park. POD's got a permit horror story she's going to tell later in the show, but Andrew, continue and okay. talk to us about bear, the bear canister situation. And then the, as far as the bear canisters, um, the, the route goes through a few areas where, um, well, first, in, throughout the park, proper food storage is required. Okay. And the park, deter- the park um, defines that as either a food locker, like a, a, a uh, like permanent those metal ones, yeah, bear metal box. ones, right, yeah. bear boxes, um, or a uh, portable bear resistant container, or um, in, or you can hang it. What? what? Kings Canyon is different. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding. So they actually allow you to. They allow you. you, you so there's a specific map you'll have to pull up on the on the park website that shows you the areas where canisters are required. Yeah. And the, the route goes through a few of those, but you could avoid them. Hmm. Like you could say like, okay, well, uh, I need to carry a canister when I'm going through, um, like the, um, Gardner Basin area, but I'm just not going to camp in Gardner Basin. I'm going to camp, say at Bob's Creek, and then I'm going to jump to woods, and I'm going to bypass the whole Gardner Basin area, and that will mean that I don't have to carry a canister. But the problem is, like, your itinerary probably isn't going to fall that way. And then um, the area is above treeline often, so it would be hard to convince a ranger, that if you, given where you've been going, that you've been able to properly <laughs> store your food every single night. Yeah. So the 
my recommendation to any hiker considering the Kings Canyon High Basin route is just to take a canister. Sure. I just don't Did think Did you it's... take a canister? So I've been uh, running trips in Kings Canyon for the last two summers. And as mm-hmm. a commercial permittee, um, you're required, all, all the clients and the whole group are required to have canisters, even in sort of non-required areas. So did you carry yeah. a canister on your last trip? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I've come to peace with the canister thing. Yeah. I think if you, you? Travel, if you travel in the high Sierra enough, I think you just come to peace with it. I, yeah. I think it's just... Yeah. It's it almost re- just seems like it's the least hassle. I mean, yeah. it sucks. It's a, it's heavy, but it's just the least hassle. So that's know? the funniest thing about the canister. So when you want, like, <clears throat> if you ever need of like evening inter- if you're ever in need of evening entertainment, go find a group who's trying to throw a bear hang. And it's like, <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous. It's like a Three Stooges yeah. show. Well, yeah. and the thing is, it seems like why even do that? Because that's just a, it's like a pinata. The bear, bears are like, woo, Cinco de Mayo, let's go. You know, right? What I mean? So they yeah. so they never end up like the the hangs rarely end up being actually effective. And then um, it takes so much time that I think isn't it all conifers in the High Sierra, anyways? Th- yeah, there are like so few trees that are well, conducive yeah, to hanging. Ma- hanging Max. A, Max. Well, it's funny you mentioned the whole pinata. Um, you know, very funny thing. In the wilderness first aid class, I took it um, REI of Nolds, yeah, or WMI. One of the scenarios was you're throwing a bear canister with a rock. You got hit in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's common enough where it's a scenario yeah, for training, for sure. and they put the makeup on. And okay, I, I, wow. was, I was the dude who got hit, and it looked like this big black shiner. But it just shows you it's often enough where it's a scenario for first aid training through Nolds. Right. Well, <laughs> let me let me go a step further. So there was actually there's. Um, I'm not sure if it still exists, but at some point, at least in, in the not-too-distant past, uh, Knowles had a requirement that every single trip going out had to have a helmet with them, a climbing helmet, even non-technical trips. Oh, because wow. the, the, they, their statistics were showing that the, that the injury Paul just described, where someone throws the rope or throws the rock with the rope attached to it and someone else is standing on the rope, that it comes back and hits them in the forehead often enough that they started insisting that, that wow. every trip, and the person, th- so the person throwing the rock has to wear the helmet. So, yeah, it's, so but this all goes in this thing of like, well, why not carry a canister? Because your alternative is hanging your food, which I just think, it's such a waste of time. It your is. hang well, usually isn't that effective anyway. Most, most three hikers are just going to study up on the regulations, and then when they see that ranger, they're just going to regurgitate the regulations to them to the T and never actually do them. I mean, that's what I did. Whoa, whoa, I mean, D-Lo, legal, I mean, legal. When, legal I, when, I saw, when I saw the ranger, when I was hiking the PCT, when I saw the ranger, the ranger said, "So, what are you doing with your food?" And I said, "I'm camping above nine thousand feet, and I'm and I'm uh, counterbalancing my food." And she was like, "Wow, you know the regulations well, to the T." What great. year was that, Dilo? Have a nice day. That was uh, thirteen years ago. Yeah, and that's yeah. not the regulation yeah. anymore. Well, but man. you know what I'm saying? It's like if you know the regulations, yeah. and and the regulations are. Conductive to not carrying that one pound canister when you're trying to hike 20 miles a day with you know nine days of food or something silly. Two pounds. Two, Two pound pounds. Well, and right? I, I just feel like there's no way my food's gonna fit in that bear canister. Well, but maybe it, I'll bring the ursac too for yeah. the extras. I, I just don't think the regulations are conducive to not taking a canister. Yeah, I, I just think it's too difficult to yeah. to kind of make it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so outside of permits and. Um, Bear canisters. What else about the Kings Canyon High Basin route should we know? The big difference between this and then a lot of uh, you know, the more conventional through hikes that we know of is that you shouldn't expect to actually finish this one. Oh, really? No. I what, think like, you, what do you mean? I think you need to approach it like a, like a mountaineering expedition okay. where everything has to go right for you to actually make it happen. So if you 
you know, we live here in Colorado, and um, like I'm going to go out there uh, at least once, if not twice, this summer. And I'm going to book my flights probably this week. And uh, I might show up on July 13th, and I'm there for a week and a half. And Ooh. that could be like a big monsoonal pattern while I'm sure. there. And there's no way that this route is going to go if, I, if it's a big monsoon pattern. It's just not going to happen. It, it's way too exposed, too often. Uh, you, it's very difficult to navigate in a whiteout. Um, it's dangerous if there's lightning going on. So, um, you know, the weather could hold it up. And then the other big issue on this route is that there are, um, there's one, well, one s- particular river crossing that in a normal year isn't going to be feasible until sometime in August. Sure. Whoa. And so that's the middle fork of the Kings Canyon. So okay. like all so the the creeks that you guys would know well is like Palisades Creek. Um, so like um, the middle fork drains down from your pass. Um, Palisades Creek feeds into that. Um, Cataract Creek feeds into that. Um, um, it you know flows down from your pass. So all these come together. See so if we have uh, there's um, cat. Um, excuse me. Cartridge Creek flows into the Middle Fork. So by the time it gets really far downstream at this one particular place called Simpson Meadow, it's big. Okay. And uh, in a normal year, you know, sometime in August, it's going to become practical. Um, during the month of June, July, forget it. It's not, not going to happen. Except this is a pretty yeah. low snow year. So this year, right. I mean, it, it, I, I don't, no one knows what's going to happen yeah. this year. I mean, yeah. it, could be, it could be ready to go in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've been there in September. Um, uh, the last two years and there's like barely enough water in the middle fork to bathe in mm-hmm. but i think and you can tell just from the size of the of the of the creek bed there the channel, that yeah. it gets it gets Giant. big it gets big, yep. it gets big. Hmm. yeah and i've you know there are lots of stories out there about hikers having problems uh you know, crossing in big snow years even in august well that's really good advice to to take if you're if you're thinking about doing this route is that you should plan to not necessarily finish it and be aware of that and be okay with it so that you don't have to burn your clothes. You don't have to bring that extra two or three pounds of jeans, denim jeans, to burn to keep yourself warm. You know that's what I right. mean? That's right. Right. So yeah. that's, that's it, very good advice. Yeah. Or Carhartt work pants. Yeah. That may burn better. Yeah, they might. We're going to have to test that out, Mags. Yeah. I think it's, it's, an, it's an attitude adjustment. I think uh-huh. um, for, most, for most of the normal thru-hikes, like they've been done you know, dozens, hundreds, thousands of times and uh, generally speaking, if you're willing to just sort of put in the time and put in the effort, you'll finish it. Whereas I think with these, they require um, sort of a more unique, like a, they require things to come together a yeah, little bit more. Yeah. And, the, and the important thing is that if you are going to take on one of these, that you know what your backups are. Mm-hmm. That you have, yeah. you know that there are, there's, an, there's an on-trail pass that goes over the same ridge line, that there's an alternative trailhead, you know, out if I walk this way out and... Um, uh, and it makes a strong argument too for doing it as a loop rather than as a point to point because the logistics of a point to point get like in- incredibly complicated if you exit where your car is not. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So basically, you've got to yeah. have your A game on if you're going to try to tackle a trail like Sierra High Route or the KCHBR. I would say so, yeah. I'd say it's the, the, the A game the whole way. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I tell you what, Uh-oh. we, we got to take a break. But let's continue this discussion and kind of talk about this broader concept of short is the new long. Uh, We'll be back with more Trail Show in a moment. Andrew Skirk is with us. Your show is pretty good, but you need to do more gear reviews. The Trail Show.
And now shattering the barrier between podcaster and audience. Four hikers with smiles you can trust. The Trail Show. Wow. Thanks, Connor. You're listening to The Trail Show, and we are heard on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. We're back with Andrew Skirka, and we're going to kind of dive into this conversation about short is the new long. <laughs> P.O.D. <laughs> P.O.D., bite yes. your lip. Well, so let's talk about it. So you, I think you posted recently on your website uh, about this concept. What is it? What you know? I mean, we're talking basically about shorter trails now than our 2,000-plus mile trails, but maybe they're, they're harder in some way, or they're not a trail. They're route mags, a route versus a trail. It's a future, future of through hikes. Yeah, I was just going to say Future that. of through hikes. <laughs> so shorter, for me, shorter is the new long is um, the solution to a change in my lifestyle. Okay. <gasps> I know, I know, right? So uh, throughout my 20s, I would describe myself as a dirtbag backpacker, like many of us. Dude, weren't you adventurer of the year? You asked for the geographic for crying out loud. <laughs> very much a dirtbag, yeah. Where I would I'd work seasonally, and I would save up some money, and I would go backpack. Dude, yeah. I saw all those other National Geographic Adventurers of the Year on their website tonight, and they were all dirtbags. Well, you kind of have, have to get a lot of dirt under they all those nails. Dirty. They were like hair was disheveled, man. It was great. I, I think in order to do those really big trips year after year, you have to be a dirtbag. I'm not now sure. Now, let me ask you a question about that, yeah. about those other dirtbaggers that were National Geographic of Adventure of the Year people. Mm-hmm. Do you think that their mom also did their laundry? <laughs> <laughs> you had to go there, P.O.D. How hey, dare you? Can, let's stop. Side Andrew, Andrew, you, Andrew, you don't have to answer that, please. Touche. Okay. What? Short is the new long. <laughs> um, so you know, th- throughout my 20s, I you know, worked seasonally, went, went backpacking, and rinse and repeat, and did it year after year after year. And I did all these huge trips. I did the Sea to Sea Route, did the Great Western Loop, did the Alaska Yukon Expedition. Then, of course, in between all of those were a bunch of, say, shorter ones of like several hundred miles and like months long. So it was like Haydu Trail, Colorado Trail twice, uh, hiked the length of California and the Pacific Crest Trail one summer. And that was all. That was all good. Um, it was, actually, it was great. Twenties were awesome. And then um, when I got back from my Alaska Yukon expedition, things started kind of changing. And I uh, met a woman that I loved, and I I married. Yeah. Um, I I bought a house here in Boulder because I was kind of tired of living out of plastic tubs and not having a not having <laughs> yeah. a genuine address uh, where I could like you know like uh, yeah. you know, receive and send uh, you know. <laughs> Mail packages, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> sure. lifestyle became it had an expiration date. It got tiring. It's there's a reason why. And Paul's shaking his head over here. I can see him yeah. uh, <laughs> because he he's gone through the same exact thing. Basically, like that lifestyle got tiring. It's there's a reason why you don't see many like fifty year old ski bombs and fifty year old surf bombs and fifty year old climbing bombs. And they're out there, but like increasingly they're like mm, that's kind of weird. Yeah, Neil Young really put it best. He said, "There comes a time when you're drifting." And he said, "There comes a time when you settle down." But could, could you do, could you actually give us the rendition in do you Neil want me Young's? Because I, yeah, I didn't want to sidetrack Andrew. That no, go but, for yeah. it. Just, there comes a time when you're drifting. Comes a time when you settle down. Wow, D-Lo. Wow. That was really nice. Very nice. <laughs> oh, okay, that's all we wanted. Okay, that's it, D-Lo. This back, so back to okay. That might be my new theme song. Gosh. <laughs> That was great. I'll stop singing. Do you know Neil? Do you listen to Neil Young? I do. Yeah, that you know that song. Then I'm not sure I know no, that song. It's, but uh, comes a time. Okay. okay. Yeah. Anyway, back to I it. I think it's off the album called "Comes a Time." So now that uh, you know my life is different, and I needed to find uh, trips that were going to inspire me, 
and sure. um, I don't have as much time as I used to. I um, I I run a, a small business. I yeah, have a wife. I inherited a cat. I've got a mortgage, so okay. um, I don't have the time. I'm much. It's much more. I live a much more normal lifestyle than I used to. So for me, these trips are the solution to have being on a more restrained time frame and saying, okay, I have. And it's still generous. Like I still probably have like two months of personal time to take, which is more than most. But I so I have two months, which isn't six months. It's not nine right. months, but it's still two months. Like what am I going to do in that period of time that's still really worthwhile? And um, given given that I've done all of the long trails, like I don't really want to go back and repeat those. I don't think I would really learn that much from them. Um, I'm much more interested in like continuing to challenge myself. So these shorter trips and i'm not going to call them trails because they're not trails they're rarely in fact i'd say the the emphasis is is like the anti-trail they're a lot of uh, almost like if not extensively off travel travel and like sometimes almost like like entirely off trail dude the anti-trail <laughs> i like that <laughs> and, uh, we we're coming up with all sorts of slogans yeah, tonight I like yeah. it. say that with an um, evil voice so the king's canyon high basin route is the sort of the first project in this theme and it's 125 miles long two-thirds off trail huge amount of vertical gain and loss it's like this it's a classic line in the high sierra which is one of the best backcountry areas in the world mm. and so this so this line are you are you kidding me? You're you're saying no that the high sierra is not one of the one of the best backcountry areas in the world. She's got the JMT mm. at the front of her head. Oh, but, yeah. you need to get off the JMT. Yeah. <laughs> you may change your mind. I know, after the I know that, and I know that. But we're also going to go do the the wind high route right after that. And so, and my my personal opinion has always. And let me just interject myself here. My personal opinion has always been. The mountains I love best are the ones that look like Colorado. No matter where I go, that's kind of... And I think it's just personal preference, okay? Sure. And when we were in the Sierra, I mean, it was early, so it was it was kind of a lot of a treachery every day. And everything was covered with snow. And I think part of the beauty of the Sierra is actually the Alpine lakes. And we didn't see any of that because they were all filled with snow. So everything was just right. white. And it was just kind of boring. It was just granite slabs and white and granite slabs and white. And I know that sounds crazy. How dare you? But it's it's very, and, and you are in the valleys. So you're in these narrow valleys and then you come to a pass and you're like, well, I can see some stuff. And then I'm back in the valley and I can't see anything except for these walls, you know? And then when, but when we hike the CDT and you're in the winds, for example, which I think is the best of both worlds because it has a crazy spires and formations, but it's a lot more open like the mountains of Colorado. So you can see a lot more. Yeah, so I'm going to assume that your high sierra experience is mostly limited to the GMT. Yeah, for okay. sure. Yeah, so the GMT is a pass and valley trail, and yeah, exactly. um, I would say for um, most of the time on the Kings Canyon High Basin route um, and the Sierra High route, you're looking down, like literally yeah. looking down on the John Muir Trail. So um, there, yeah, there are, dude, uh, you're looking down on the JMT <laughs> on the SM and, high route. And I remember, you know, not to not to belittle <laughs> the JMT, I've done it several times. The first time I was in there in 2006, I was like totally no, blown no, away it's okay, by it. you can yeah. belittle I it. Remember when, belittle it. I, in fact, I remember going over the like Forester Pass and thinking to myself, like, I'm God, like. Did anyone come like think to like come up here with like caution tape and say like you know don't <laughs> like this is dangerous <laughs> like how can this be part of the Pacific Crest Trail this is dangerous up here yeah so um, but the, these other routes are different so what makes the High Sierra world class is so the scenery is is superb yeah. you, know, you got the, all the Alpine the lakes weather, and the, the and weather the metal, too the weather is the like, very stable, super yeah, stable. that's true that's and, true um, and then. Uh, 
the other thing that distinguishes the heist here is that it's girthy. So, and which is oh whoa fitting, whoa right? whoa, whoa. shortest and now on, hold it's girthy. On. This is a family friendly show, man. Please, look please down on the JMT with your girth. <laughs> so look at um like look at a map sometimes of the of this high Sierra, and you'll see the the main Sierra crest, which runs yeah. kind of on the eastern side of the range. And there are still like in the main Sierra crest, um, depending on where you are along there, it's somewhere between. You know, your high points are going to be, there's like most of the 14ers are along the crest and then there are a bunch of like 13ers and, tw- and 12ers. A lot of the passes are at like 11. And, but you'll still find like 11,000 foot high peaks, 12,000 foot high peaks that are like 30 miles to the west of the crest. Hmm. And in between are, you know, is like serious backcountry. Whereas in Colorado, what's 30 miles from say the top of Long's Peak? Like you cross Winter Park, Longmont. You cross Nywat. Cross the highway. <laughs> yeah, you get to Boulder. Like, you can be uh, down to Denver. Fraser is uh, thirty miles from Longs Peak, and right. so is uh, Longmont. So yeah. it's Greeley. Colorado doesn't have that girthiness. The rigid. Co- the, you've heard people call Colorado wilderness light before. Haven't it is. You? Yeah, yeah. It I've is. always said that Colorado's perfect for perfect for like weekend warrior. Perfect for like done in day activities, mm-hmm. which is you know for like a. I live here and I love it here, and but part of the reason I love it here is because the access is so easy. Yeah, but it right. do, it's not. It's not conducive to like big long. It's hard. It's hard trips. to like be that far out. There are a couple of wilderness areas that are that far away. You know, the flat tops or, um, mm-hmm. what's that one there? The Wemenooch. Yep, the Wemenooch. Yeah. But even but even the Wemenooch is. It's yeah, there's a lot narrow. of dirt roads. There's yeah. some dirt roads. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You like you Texas go down to the flags. valley. Yeah. yeah, there's a dirt road and there's a monster camp from Texas there right. with the biggest. Yeah. Most gigantic SUVs you've ever seen, <laughs> and yeah. ATVs and yeah. RVs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, due to the due to the topography and then the the mining history here in Colorado, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not conducive to right. To the that mining wilderness. history is what prov- yeah. what allows us access right. in this day and age. It's a lot of dirt roads, even like um, you know the San Juans. You'll have a lot of jeep roads and such that bisect it. Mm-hmm. You'll think it's you're in this remote area. Oh, here comes a bunch of jeepers. Hey, how right. you doing? <laughs> well, Max, let's. I saw you sh- nodding your head along with Andrew earlier. So, do you kind of have the same sort of general feeling about you know? where you are in your life as far as these short trails and that kind of thing? Oh, a- absolutely. I've always said I'm hoping to craft a life in the near future where I, I can't do four to six months. I can do four to six weeks. And, you know, I have no it's no secret. I have no desire to do something like the Appalachian Trail, Pacific Crest, even the CDT again. It's not where I'm at right. at this point in my life. I mean, it was a great experience. Um, I'm not really interested, quite frankly, in the social culture. It's not anything wrong with that. It just doesn't speak to me at this point. And even on the Weekend Warrior Jaunts, I've been loving the off-trail travel and something like a trail is just an approach trail to get to the cool stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, I love taking a topo map and figuring out the route. And sometimes it doesn't always go as planned, but that's the beauty of you reading about, oh, okay, well, this looks a little more gnarly than I'm capable of my uh, skimpy little trail runners here without a vibrant soul. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, you backtrack, and it's just so memorable, and you cram so much into a you know, Friday night into Sunday night. And right. You have many thousand feet of elevation gain. You don't see anyone. And even though you can see Winter Park below, you've been so isolated all weekend. Just because you are doing these, um, you know, very approachable, as long as you have decent map reading skills and you're comfortable scrambling type of adventures, no technical equipment needed. I got you. And as far as, and yeah, about the same. I hit about 35. That's when things started changing for me where, as opposed to getting jobs, I was thinking more of a long-term career path. And quite frankly, I didn't want to be like some people you see at Haker gatherings or all they have in their life is just saying, I did a long trail. And that's a very important part of my life. Right. 
but there's more important right, things right. in my life too. Yeah, understood. I mean, you know, I, I, I've always thought to to be single dimensional or, or just your you are your whole thing is the trail. It, it's kind of dangerous because if if something happens to you, say you got in a car wreck or you were immobilized or handicapped in some way, well, then what do you do? I mean, you need to. I don't know. I think it's just part of being a. And th- I didn't think the discussion was going to go here, but I guess it's just <laughs> part of being like a multi-dimensional human being. You need more to your life than just one thing. And whether it's trail, wh- whether you're like a, you know, a, a standout runner or athlete or whatever Podcaster. it is you're doing, you need to have a bowling league. You deal. need to be a multi-dimensional human being with a substantial amount of girth. Max. Max, over to you. <laughs> well, I just had an epiphany. So a lot of people, <laughs> I, I did, a lot of people in our uh, long-distance hiker tribe saying, Dow, I climbed the corporate ladder. I'm just going to always hike but it's kind of the mirror image of the guy who weds himself to the corporate career his entire life is the corporate career so mm. when he gets laid off max stop dude just stop <laughs> stop do, do you i know where you're going with this just, I, i'm gonna i'll be back guys okay uh, max continue please keep going so to the person who weds themselves to their hiking career and that's their identity yeah. as you said they can't no longer hike what happens to their life yeah but but i i would have to disagree there because i think that a lot of people marry themselves to the corporate culture <clears throat> without ever really making a decision about that Fair it's enough. something that happens to them whereas marrying yourself to a life of vagabonding and backpacking is something that you have to choose it doesn't just happen to you it's a, a conscious decision it's a lifestyle choice and and you know, I think that people who want to keep doing it, you know, we know we know people in Crested Butte. I mean, that's a great place if you want to meet old old dirtbaggers. And I look at those people and yeah, I, I think I don't want to work, you know, till I'm seventy either, but I'm also not ready to, to hang up the, the long distance towel, you know. I don't know. It's 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 a strange, um a strange place to be in where I, I have a career that I'm about to, you know, about to say Sayonara for a little bit. And have to start over again, but I don't know. It's weird because I, I do like having a house. I like having an address and a place to store my plastic bins. But <laughs> at the same time, I feel really ready to just get on the trail. Get on the trail, yeah. So one of my um, earlier moments of aha I was not too long after Adriana and I started dating, and we we're going on a ski trip with some mutual friends. And there was this guy at the trailhead. I don't know, mid to late fifties, maybe sixty. A really nice guy. And he saw us, but he was by himself. And he came over and started talking about how he rafted through the Amazon <coughs> Basin. And he did this climbing trip and did this, did this, did this. And then he handed his business card, looked him up online. Hmm. And I just realized, oh, my God, he has nothing else, it seems. <laughs> He's just so stuck. But I stuck. think that's okay. Because I think... But he was very us, lonely, most, it seems. Most of us don't really plan, actually, that something horrible is going to happen. And, oh, I have a plan for if I lose my legs, this is what I'm going to do. And I think uh, you... you, you in fact, I think probably a lot of thru-hikers are the type of, or long-distance hiker or people who spend a lot of time outside are probably the type of people that could adapt to, to that. I mean, no one really knows until that happens to them. Sure. But. All I know is this guy seemed very lonely. I didn't want to be yeah, that person. Yeah, for sure. And I think either extreme is not good. It's about finding the balance that's good for you. I agree. I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, like Disco and I are also in a unique situation where we both kind of enjoy dirtbaggery and... Neither one of us is chomping at the bit to like, hey, let's you know have an address in a house. So hey, I mean, we, we're in but a we do situation. have an address in no, a house. No, I know that, but I'm just saying <laughs> that I think it's a little bit different when you are in a relationship with someone or you you've met someone and you're like, this person is equally as important to me as hiking and or being outside. And 
if I want to, you know, spend the rest of my life with them, it's going to require a little bit of a sacrifice in that area. You know what I mean? So I, don't I, know. I think when you said in that area would be, that's like an important yeah, qualifier. Yeah, in that area. I'm not saying yeah. it's like, oh, it's going to be horrible now because I've met this awesome person. And right. No, it's yeah. just you're choosing. You're choosing your life. You're choosing your path, you know? And right. I think the theme here is with, and Paul, I, you know, Paul and I, we have guided enough together and have spent enough, like, long, long car rides together talking about this stuff. But and snuggly in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> we, we made our, I, I think the theme here is that we, we made all of the decisions very consciously. Like, I yeah. didn't just find myself married. Like, it was a very conscious decision. And I didn't suddenly just find myself as a homeowner. Like it was like this yeah, conscious for decision. Sure. So I, I realized as a pro, as a result of having made those decisions that uh, I've added some responsibilities to my life and I, um, it sort of closes some doors, but overall I'm much happier now than I was yeah, for know, sure. in my late twenties when all that, when that lifestyle was becoming kind of tiresome. It, by the way, you just mentioned guiding with mags and I, I just have to ask a question and I know some of our listeners are, are dying to know as someone who I guess could be considered an employer of mags or someone that subcontracts work out of mags. Does the guy take as many coffee breaks as I think he does? <laughs> he's always drinking coffee. A- Andrew, is he, is he always sitting down on the job, like, you know, sit, slipping on his Starbucks Via? What, what, what does he, he do he out d- there? He usually doesn't turn down coffee. Like when he, 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 <laughs> he, he uh, I knew it. He'll, knew. he'll pull up to my house early in the morning and, um, <laughs> And and the coffee will be on, and he'll come in and be like, "Hey, Paul, can can we top you off?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I'll take a topper." And then, <laughs> I'll take and a then we topper. then we pile into the car and head up to Rocky Mountain for you know, for the weekend. I like it. So we've got to wrap up this conversation yeah, of Shores and Long, but um, I got to ask you real quickly. So you said that the KCHBR was the first of your short as a new long mm-hmm. project. So are you willing to pull back the curtain a little bit and maybe tip your hand and show us what might be next sure. or what you're thinking yeah, about? Yeah, so um, you know, I think the, the theme is that uh, I'm looking for um, areas with uh, where I can do like a, a 100-ish mile, like one week-ish trip um, that has some sort of like very well-defined topography. So uh, uh, earlier this month, and like so end of April, beginning of May, I was down in Escalante doing Steve Allen's Overland Route. Okay. Which is uh, so the Escalante River is a tribute, major tributary of the Colorado. Um, it flows out of uh, the very small towns of Escalante and Boulder. And Steve Allen is like the guidebook author down there. And he put at the very end of this guidebook, he puts together this immaculate route where you travel on kind of river left uh, down the Escalante, and you're kind of like jumping in and out of all these side canyons. And it entails. Um, Technical travel, so there's like some low fifth class, like uh, down climbs and, and wow. up climbs, wow. yeah, where you're looking at pack halls and um, like really cryptic route finding, hmm. and you really have to understand the geological layers of the Escalante to kind of make the whole thing happen. So I was down there um, doing that route. Uh, we weren't successful in our in our bid, which kind of goes to show this that this idea that you better know kind of your backups. And in our case. Uh, one of our one of the group members went down with an intestinal bug, Ooh. and um, he was still able to move. He just wasn't able to move at the same pace, and that was right. enough where we kind of like ate into our margin, um, and we weren't able to complete the route. So we had to we kind of made some changes in the route. We bypassed um, an area and, and managed to get out um, sort of when we were anticipating, but we weren't able to complete it. Uh, so that was last month, and then um, this summer I also have um, looking at the Wind River High Route, which. You know, there's been, um, in fact, what's funny is so I was down in the Escalante with Alan Dixon and Don Wilson. Um, oh, who yeah. Are 
who have sort of proposed this Wind River High Route, and I've been pretty honest in my assessment that you know, there definitely is a Wind River High Route. It's one of the best ranges in the entire country. Uh, but uh, I think any like high route in the winds has to include uh, some segment through that northeast quadrant, through the Gannett Glacier area. And uh, so I'm going to be working, kind of trying to figure out what that might look like this summer. Um, okay. And then uh, there's some routes here in Colorado. So, for example, like there's a, I think there's a, a couple of routes here in Colorado where they, they're kind of a combination of ridge walks and high routes. Um, uh, and I'll be able to get, a, get after those on kind of long weekends or get, take a couple days away. Um, oh, very cool. And uh, when I go to the Sierra in the summer, I'm looking at uh, there a couple of other high routes there too. Um, you know, not kind of that, that epic like Sierra high route where it follows the main crest, but like maybe smaller watersheds. All right. Well, you awesome. heard it here first. Short is the new long. Girth is the new <laughs> non-girth. And Andrew Skirka is going to be proposing about, routes right and left. What, something about the anti-trail. The yes. anti-trail. <laughs> that is awesome. I'll do that again one more time, Dilo, please. The anti-trail. <laughs> All right. We had a couple people write in on iTunes this month. Uh, Short and Grumpy says, love it, five stars. Love the show. Heard about it from a friend, and I'm up to episode 23. Come on, short and grumpy, pick up the pace. He says better than anything Wait. else out there. I know. I did Dilo write that? No, I did not. I no. haven't written to the iTunes short top grumpy, five since I, I belittled you, POD. He says, as a person new to hiking, I've learned a lot as well. I no longer bring my blowtorch on hikes. Thank you. <laughs> you Although, really, short and grumpy, you should probably <laughs> be packing at least three or four <laughs> pairs of jeans to burn with a lighter. You know, it'll save you a little bit of weight, but burn them with a lighter. All right. Yeah. Exxon12058 says, such a great podcast. Five stars. I cannot express how much I enjoy listening to this podcast. I don't know how it took me so long to find it. Both very informative and entertaining. Florida Amigo says, no word of a lie. Five stars. Wow. Damn. Every episode is entertaining and compels me to get on the trail. Spontaneous bursts of laughter while listening are common. The guest hikers in endless trails, routes, magically transport you to the trail. Please never start reviewing gear or stop drinking beer. And as for Sweet Tater, oh my, I want more. Yeah, me too. He could read a phone Not book. enough Sweet Tater to go around in this world. PCT Tiny Dancer says, P-Y-O-P, five <laughs> stars. A much needed respite in my windowless cubicle. Thank you guys for potting your own podcast. I guess that's P-Y-O-P. Okay. And finally, we have Pants 66 who says, Great show, five stars. Love the show. I am from Englewood. We are neighbors. Oh. oh. FYI, rotten egg smell at hot springs is sulfur, not salmonella. Laugh out loud. Huh. <laughs> uh, is, we have to do some research on that. Yeah? Yeah. You think it is salmonella, do I? I do. That's why I don't get in. Would you like to go on record? Let's talk to Dirtmonger oh. about that one. Yes, so, Max. Our new Mythbusters show, we can call yeah. it Trailbusters. Ooh. No <laughs> way, dude. Spinoff podcast right there. Trailbusters. Yes, oh, Discovery dear. Show. Here we come. Let me channel. We got to take a break. Why? When why, we, why do we have to stop talking about this stuff? Because we have to refill our beers and perhaps uh, empty, empty our, our bladders. bladders. Empty <laughs> our beers and refill it. It's the Trail Show, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. What the heck does beer have to do with hiking anyway? The Trail Show.
Raise a glass. The Trail Show is back. All right, we are back, and we're going to talk about the Longmont Brew Hike, which just happened this past weekend. We're also going to cover some trips we took this past month. But before we get into that, you know, PUD and I had the, the chance of meeting Andrew out at Winter OR this past January. And I saw Andrew being interviewed about an encounter he had with a bear. And I got the audio, and I'm going to play it. And then I, w- I have some follow-up questions for Andrew. So let's, let's listen to Andrew's interview real quick. The man or beast that I run from ain't been born. And his mama's already dead. I ain't running from nothing. I never have in my whole life, and I ain't going to start now. And you're not going to sacrifice my babies for some damn bear. And I raised both hands in the air, and I cussed at him. Yeah, get out of you, Yeah. And he looked at me like, go F yourself. All right, so Andrew, what were you possibly... (laughs) What were you... Possibly talking about there. I. What did he just say? No, no. <laughs> what do you mean? He. That was you. We, we we saw it at Winter OR in January. You wrestled a bear. You punched a bear. Is that what happened? And then he looked at me and told me to go <laughs> myself. <laughs> Were you trying to keep the bear away from your children? What was going on? Was, my, yeah, my cat. my unborn cat. kids. Yeah, he what want, was happening. He wanted to eat my cat, Odin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I, I will. You're I like, will go ahead, eat my defend cat. Defend relentlessly for my for my little fur child, Odin. Understood. All right, let's talk about the Longmont Brew Hike. Oh my god! Hey, can I just say that we saw some <clears throat> of the most beautiful, you know, <laughs> back urban neighborhoods of Longmont on this brew hike. I mean, it was really very interesting to see some of these urban neighborhoods of Longmont. I will. I would like to give a shout out to our guide. Anybody know that guy's name? The uh, Long Monster. Yeah, the local. The Long name? Monster. Lynn. Who, Lynn. Lynn. Lynn just took the lead and he was like, we're going this way. Oh, here's another brewery that's not on your map that we're going to. It's like right down the street from my house. And he just took us on a great route. And not only did the route kind of go through some really kind of, you know, quasi-urban, you know, industrial neighborhoods of Longmont, but also went along some really nice paths that went over some nice bridges over the flowing rivers and stuff like that. It nice was really, job on the route, Max. Yeah, it was, it was nice. Uh, you can thank Google Maps. Okay. Dilo, do you yes. think that the five-mile loop we did in Longmont is equivalent to the MN300 in Los Angeles? Yes. Yes, absolutely. In okay. fact, I think it probably trumps the Inman 300. Okay. The I'm yeah. in. Uh, isn't the Inman 300 like 300 miles too? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. much longer. Than so yeah, so our five mile hike was far more scenic, and and I think <laughs> and we short actually, is the new long. Yeah, and short is the new long, and <laughs> it was far more scenic. Plus, there were so many good breweries. And it was challenging. Talking about breweries, let's yes. name off the seven we went to. We started at Pump House. Pump House. We rolled over to 300 Suns. 300 Suns. We blue blazed over to Shoes and Brews. Shoes and Brews, which is very interesting. It's a shoe store in the front and a brewery in the back. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like all the business was in the brewery, but... Yeah, but the shoe store is just a front, really. Yeah. It's just a front. Okay. I think just some money laundering going on there. And then we strolled over to Grossenbart. Oh, which was killer, dude. Killer. It was killer. Lots of big beards at the Grossenbart. In fact, the guy... Mr. Grossenbart himself was pouring beers, although we didn't really talk to him too much. But oh, he was, was there that pouring the beers. Mr.? Okay. Well, didn't you see his beard? I don't know. And, and then like everyone these days. Hey, I'm so hipster. Dilo deployed his umbrella, and we walked over to Left Hand Brewery. Oh, in the rain, dude. I mean, it, was, it started off a pretty nice day, but then it, we knew the rain was coming. And a special guest showed up at Left Hand Brewery, and we actually got a little bit of audio. 
Hi, this is Mr. Money Mustache, and I never listen to the trail show. Mr. Money Mustache showed up at Left Hand Brewery. He did. And, and I, <clears throat> I, was, I had butterflies in my stomach. It took a little bit of teasing to get him down there because he was kind of like, hey, guys, it looks like it's raining right now. Maybe she'll let up and I can roll down on yeah, my cruiser bike. He's such a badass. Of course he came down. Uh, he did come down. He did come down. Andrew Skirk, are you familiar with Mr. Money Mustache? No, I'm looking him up on my phone right oh, now. Oh, what? Don't, so, don't, don't start, dude. The you best won't be part, able to stop. The best part is that, so we met Mr. Money Mustache, and I, I never read any of his stuff. I didn't know who he was. I mean, I know who he is, but I, anyway. So he shows up, and Disco and D'Lo are like, you know, little school children. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> just fawning all over him, yeah. and um, and then D'Lo proceeds to immediately tell Mr. Money Mustache all the poor financial decisions. <laughs> yeah, what was that? He's, made. he's like, I bought a new car, but I'm going to keep it for ten years. D'Lo was just digging and this hole. Man. I did this, but I'm going to do this, and I did this, but I'm going to do this. He started telling, and, and and I said, Mr. Money Mustache, um. <laughs> don't you love it when you meet people for the first time they and they proceed to tell you all of their transgressions and then try to justify them and he said actually it's really annoying and it happens all the time <laughs> <laughs> and then he left yeah. <laughs> and then he left so he had so a yeah. point How, insulted yeah. you and left well he didn't we uh he didn't insult us we just kind of probably bored him well, uh, I tell you what, I think no, I think he had a good time. Oh, I, he did have a good and time, and I think he wasn't too put off by us because I did tweet a picture from the Trail Show account, and he retweeted it yeah. from oh, yeah. the Mister Money Mustache account, which mm-hmm. says to me we didn't uh, completely turn him off. Well, you know. I just think it wasn't on, you know, to his credit and to a lot of people's credit, no, and Mags's credit as well. It's kind of like who wants to like walk around Longmont all day on a Saturday afternoon and just drink beer? I mean, like, uh, who's, me? whose idea is this? <laughs> yeah. like, why do we do these things? I mean, I enjoy it. It's pretty fun. It's Especially pretty when fun. it's raining. Yeah, you're right. It's raining. It's not like it's, it's awesome. not like a beautiful, crystal clear, like you know, seventy yeah. degree day, like walking around Longmont. It was like raining. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, so, I mean, we got lucky. It. it didn't yeah. really start raining until at the end, and so we left left hand and we finished up. Long's Peak uh, Pub and Tap House, which is basically I, most Southern people, Sun, might, right? Yeah, or, a lot of people call it the Longmont Sun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot. No one really calls it by its full name. And we did actually walk the two blocks to close the loop at back to Pump House, and we got and more beers there. We may have had more beers there. So it's yeah. actually eight breweries. There was a distillery on the route, which it was, was closed. closed. Ah, you know, one so, of the cool things that was probably go- just as well. So, what was there? Five, uh, five, seven breweries on this route. Seven breweries. So, one of the cool things about these seven breweries in Longmont is, you know, there is kind of a friendly camaraderie and a friendly competition between these breweries, and they're all doing great business. There's people there hanging out on a Saturday afternoon after the 50-mile bike rides or just on a rainy right. day like us. You know, there's all sorts of people at every place we went to. And they're all great places to hang out. But they all kind of came together for one of their fellow brewers who lost his oh, life. Yeah. Uh, somewhat unexpectedly, he kind of let um, some pain go for too long, and it turned out to be some cancer that had was uncurable. And the, yeah. the, the poor guy passed away at 42 years old. And a few weeks before he died, they all came together and brewed a beet cancer saison for him to kind of, and all the funds for this beer. And this beer was at every brewery we went to, yeah, which every is single really one. interesting, which is yeah. really cool. And it, it was just, the same beer. It was the yeah. same beer. It just kind of goes to show just the collaborative and the collaborative spirit, Supportive. the support that these brewers have in the community there. So that was really interesting. I thought that was kind of neat, you know, because we had that at the first brewery. It was the beet cancer, like, eh, whatever, who knows. But then, you know, by the third brewery, they had the same beer there, and it kind of dawned on us what was happening. So that was, 
I thought that was pretty powerful yeah, and, and, cool. and quite interesting. Yeah, I agree. Any standouts for for you? I enjoyed too? the Frida Kahlo at the Grossenbart, and I have to say, props to those guys for recognizing that Frida Kahlo is one half German. So I thought that was really cool that they had, inc- and she also had you know the weird you know facial hair going on, so she kind of fits in there. <laughs> but she is also one half German, so it's pretty cool that they. You know, picked up on that little tidbit. I really liked the onion rings at Chubb Burger. Oh my God, those were so good. The those onion were rings at Chubb Burger were fantastic. Gosh, they were. Mm-hmm. A lot more food <clears throat> on this route, it seems like. Oh, a lot more food. It was, it was really good. And we have to say thanks to the folks at Long's Peak Pub and Tap House because yes. they slid us a few bonus desserts. That's right. On the they house. Did. It was awesome. That, which was quite nice. And it was neat because a lot of people were actually like, wait, who, where did you 10, 15 people come from? Why are you all walking? <laughs> wait, first of all, you didn't drive. Why are you all walking in here? This is like some kind of like quasi-urban neighborhood in Longmont. <laughs> Industrial. It's like, dude, there's like trains idling across the street. Why are you walking here? You know, And we walk in and they're like... What do you guys do? You all yeah. have stickers and look, that sticker is on your t shirt. What's what are you guys doing mm-hmm. here? The shoes so, and bruise lady when we walked were in, pretty she, interested. Was, she was like, uh I was like, It's okay, we'll be easy. Yeah. So. We we had to unscare her. I, I gotta say I liked uh so the pump house brewery had a passion fruit mango wheat. That was beer my favorite too, yeah. That was quite lovely. And I will go back there for that at some future date. Uh anything else about the Longmont brew hike? It was a good time. Just those quasi-urban industrial neighborhoods really stood out, and the beautiful paths along the St. Vrain that we walked over a few times. That's true. Were really nice. And big big thanks to Connor Shreve of the Brewski Rebuski podcast for coming out and bringing some field audio equipment. I didn't have enough time to pull audio from all of those clips, but maybe during the next show. I just have some advice for Connor. Um, Connor, the next time you're going to bring out, you know, the really super high-end fancy audio equipment... (laughs) Bring some batteries for it. Yeah. We, we got batteries. We, I know, but we had to buy them. We had to buy them. Uh, and we Connor, were already halfway Connor done. Bought them, yeah, well, so Connor bought them. Yeah, like, Connor bought them like two miles into the route, and he missed like, some really just earth-shattering. Doubtful. Just amazing commentary from our Crickets. friend Pajamas there. <laughs> from who? Pajamas. Okay, very good. All right, All right tri- moving on. Trips of the past month. Mags, let's go over to you. Let's start with you. I'm just going to mention one only because it has to do with our National Geographic one. I went to Little Book Cliffs Wilderness. Which is where? Little what? Little um, Book Cliffs Wilderness. It's a Book? Wilderness- Book. Yeah. Okay. It's a wilderness study area outside of Grand Junction. Oh. Oh, way out on the western well, slope. Well, I've been jonesing for... I had a hellacious April. Um, just okay. I was up from 11 o'clock to 2.33 one Saturday for work. So, I, I, wait a minute. Eleven a.m. Eleven p.m. Eleven. Andrew. Ouch! Yes. They're so, passing beers in the background. Yeah. So I, I desperately need a, a backcountry trip, and I just saw this place on a map. So it looks interesting. Researched it, and what I liked about it, it has mustangs, wild horses. Ooh, oh, hence the inspiration. Max, did you find that gentleman's website to be super useful? Um, I, I looked up the little book cliffs, and I stumbled upon. A gentleman's website, and he had just great trail descriptions. I don't know anything more about it than that. Did you happen to, do you know who I'm talking about? It's like the only guy who shows up. It's so look, vague. The dude. little book cliffs, but it's the only guy who shows um, up. I think I saw him afterwards. Afterwards, um, you didn't consult that guy's stuff before going there? No, I just so looked on a map and I looked at the BLM site, and I did find a friend of the Mustang site before I went there. But I think it was like against the grind or away from the grind or something like that. Let's see if I could pull it up. 
Well, in any case, it was really cool. The canyons were, they were nice, nothing special, but again, the seeing the wild horses, which is really cool. And I took one picture of a stallion, and I couldn't post it online because he was with his herd. Okay. And I found out why the expressions hung like a horse came about. <laughs> <laughs> Girthy. He, oh, understood. He was, uh, he was very excited. <laughs> I was you like, know? and I, take, I look at the picture after I took it, like, no, I'm not going to post that one online. <laughs> <laughs> you would probably get more likes and maybe even a few pokes. If you were to put that photo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now we're really going well, I, I think I'll be here all week, you, ladies and gentlemen. Can you still I, poke people on Facebook? Sure. You can. I, I will say the back. stallion probably got a few pokes. Oh. Oh. No. Hey, oh. Hey, no. Anyway. Please. Anyway. Be sure to tip your waitress. And uh, while you guys, I won't go into the trip because I'll bore you all, but while you're on the brew hike, I did some camping this weekend for my birthday. Went to the Pawnee Grasslands just to chill. Oh, oh yeah. we Did you see about. any megafauna? You know, I, I won't go into it too much, but I was actually, this is That's actually a lie. being a little serious. Um, it's changed a lot in five years. Hmm. Pawnee Grasslands? Big time. It used to be this wonderful, isolated, raw, desolate beauty area with a wonderful night sky. And the past five years, there's been a lot more energy exploration out there. Mm. No kidding. Fracking and such. Uh, I heard fracking was safe. <laughs> and um, <laughs> five, five days ago, I should mention this in the trail news. Um, yeah. The BLM just signed a $30 million lease. It was posted on the 14th, so this is brand new, um, for oil and gas exploration. So oil and gas is going to pay them $30 million? Yes. They better the, start putting privies in those campgrounds in to get all that money. Uh, it just, um, you know, the high, as we had Steve Myers on yeah, our show. Yeah, last month. For it's, sure. It's a much more desolate, more s- subtle beauty in some ways, too. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely his wilderness. And to see this area that, uh, the biggest travesty is the night sky. Um, wow. Yeah, for sure. It's lo- looking at a small town now with the lights. One, yeah. one, one thing to just counter it. I mean, that not to, not to diminish diminish what's what's happening right here and now. But the hydrocarbon exploration and hydrocarbon mining is just a, a minor blip. You know, I mean, it sucks right here and now because it's like, and this is not to, you know, say that hydrocarbon exploration is great or anything. But you kind of got to look at it and say, yeah, it kind of sucks right now. But the hydrocarbon exploration is going to go away. Well, at I, some point in time, because it's not it's not going to last forever because it's going to play out. But you know what it reminds me of is, you mm-hmm. know, we talk about the mining ruins we see throughout Colorado. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's this um, I have in my bookshelf. Um, Centennial, if you're familiar with the book Centennial. No. No. Oh, I'm surprised. It was a they made a mini series. Anyways, it takes place in that area. OK. And huh. not too far from there. It was a very popular book in miniseries in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, not as well known now, but still a multimillion dollar seller. But. And it was a line about it, how this area will always recover and people will prosper if you treat the land right. Sure. Mm-hmm. So with the oil, it's one thing to see the homesteads. Uh, there's some old ruins from the dry land farming era that are still there. And to me, that's more sad, these ruins, because people are trying to create a legacy. Um, they were kind of sold a bad bill of goods being mm-hmm. lied to about dry land farming. So they, when the Dust Bowl came, they went away. But people built schools and... Yeah, we want to raise families, and even the uh, the ranchers now who don't do farming, she can't farm there. There's hardly any moisture. I think they still care about the land, want to pass on a legacy. A lot of this oil exploration, it reminds me of um, other booms throughout the West where they just come in, like the mining, right? And they'll Raven come in, village. and they won't. That's all be left. It's not caring for the land. Yeah, and that's I, and that's the problem with that type of uh, exploitation is just that there's no the externalities are never taxed. 
So you build this gigantic tower to mine all this oil, and you drill this big hole in the ground, and it goes down five miles, and the oil comes out, and all these trucks go down the road. But then when the oil's played out, they don't necessarily have to tear down that tower. And, and, and to it be, still stands there, and, and be, there's the road, you know. And, and to so. be fair, I did drive there in my vehicle, which runs petrol chemicals. I am using synthetics, which are petrol chemicals. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer. What I do know, though, that this wonderful wild place with this beautiful night sky is no longer there. Ugh. So the night sky is just kind of polluted with... I went up at 11 o'clock in the morning to, you know... Relieve myself. 11 at, o'clock at night? At uh, night, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Even had that much to drink, but 11 <laughs> o'clock at night, rather. And there's, of course, the venting flares, you know, yeah. all the the fumes you mm-hmm. see. The methane uh, being burned burning, off. Right. Yeah. Methane. Uh, what it was played, the night skies were replaced by artificial lights and uh, methane. And, of course, the windmills, too. Oh, wow. There's a lot more windmills mm-hmm. than five years ago. Huh. And one of the readers, I wrote about it five years ago, and my readers wrote me, oh, thank you for loving this beautiful area I grew up in. Not many non-flatlanders can appreciate it, so on and so forth. They mentioned, this is February 2012, there's a proposal for more fracking. That was three and a half years ago. And here we are seeing, again, with a $30 million lease being signed. As I said, I'm part of the problem, of course. I drove there in my car, but... There has to be a right. balance. On, on that depressing note. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's go around the room. Andrew, have you taken any trips in the last month? Well, I s- spent three weeks down in Escalante in April and May. I guess that would count. It counts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably more than any of us combined. And let me, so let me say, so I, I, how many of you have know about Escalante? Uh, I've done some hiking yeah. in the, on the Haydu. Okay. So for the, your readers who don't, so Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument, it's uh I think I would probably put it in my probably my top five for big wilderness areas in the lower forty eighth. This it's place huge. is just now. Where does it fall in relation to the Sierra? Uh, how, I how about the, the Sierra? Girth? I put the Sierra in the in terms of like wilderness. What about um, in terms of girth? <laughs> bigger, bigger. It's girthier, much more girthy. Okay, continue. So you know, the Sierra is the Sierra as like if you look at just as like a sort of like a backcountry destination. Um, uh, I would describe it as world class. I put it in my top five favorites. But um, what detracts partly from the High Sierra is the fact that it's in California and it's like mm-hmm. accessible from major metropolitan yeah. areas. Grand Staircase Escalante has um, probably not. It's extremely aesthetic, but I'm not quite as big of a fan of it versus the Sierra. But because it is so far from anything, um, that really like puts it pretty high up. Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, definitely a top five destination, and um, the best time of year to visit um, Escalante is kind of, I I would say, March, April. Um, When you start getting into May, it starts getting pretty darn hot, and depending on the water situation, that can be pretty tough. But uh, if you haven't been there, make it happen. Yeah, very cool. Dilo, any landscaping you'd like to speak on? Before I talk about that, Mags, I just want to say Elon Musk has the answer. Um, My trip uh, recently... Solar City? The batteries, dude. Yeah. The $3,500 batteries at your house. Yeah, man, it's, that's it's, the answer. Keep right. going. Your trip. <clears throat> my trip was a very special trip that I took with my mother and my stepfather and my son and my wife. And we <laughs> went to the Denver Aquarium. <sighs> and you know what was so great about the Denver Aquarium? Is that the very end, they had a bar. That's right. Really? In At the, the end of the aquarium, they had a I bar. I see that. And it was Mother's Day, so they had a Bloody Mary bar at the bar at the end of the aquarium, which Why was fantastic. Why is that a Mother's Day thing? 
Because all moms drink Bloody Marys. Yeah, uh, what's up with that? Yeah, come on, dude. What? You're not a mother. You don't know. You're not it's in the true. know. You're not in the know. Wow. So it's pretty amazing. What was really spectacular about the aquarium was that my son rushed through the aquarium just to see the piranhas. Yeah. Because he read about the piranhas <laughs> in a book that POD gave him before he was born. Ooh. And so he knows about piranhas because we have a book where people are getting eaten by piranhas. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a book POD would give to a young child. Well, they're not really getting eaten. Born. They're just kind of sticking their finger in the piranha yeah. tank, you know, and the piranhas are, you know, jumping up at them. So, you know, piranhas in real life are pretty big fish. We didn't really see yeah. their teeth, but they're, you know, they're probably about 8 to 10 inches yeah. uh, tall and maybe about that long so that's pretty cool that's so sweet you yeah. saw some uh, flesh eating fish followed yeah. by some strong alcoholic drinks <laughs> that's yeah. right that's uh, sounds like a hell of a mother's day to me that's right this past month in april i turned 40 it was very exciting <laughs> welcome to the club i know grandma gatewood over here anyway um she's a fraud she's a fraud, she's a fraud. <laughs> so we went to uh the pacific trust Cal- the the at the Pacitco. Always falls the weekend of my birthday every year, and uh, sometimes we go and sometimes we don't. And we went this year, and <clears throat> I'll let Disco talk about that. But following the kickoff, we went to Joshua Tree National Park with one B three PO, aka Buck Thirty. Oh, nice! And we did a little forty mile horseshoe, and we actually got rained on in Joshua Tree National Park. Oh, it was wow. incredible, and it was cold. That- I wore a skirt and pants and a jacket. The entirety of the first day it was amazing. But um, Joshua Tree averages four inches of rain per year, and we were there for about a half inch of it. Yeah, it was wow. great. It was <laughs> awesome. But it was it was a really good time, and um, it was really beautiful. It was kind of nice to be out in the desert, and uh, it was I don't know. It was fun. We we did a little water cache, you know, halfway through, and we stashed three beers, one for each of us, oh, nice. thinking we'll get there in the evening and we'll have a beer and it'll be great. But then. It was raining and freezing cold when we got to the... We actually had to dump some of the water out. We couldn't... We didn't hardly drink any water because it was so cold that day. But we did not dump the beer out. No. In fact, Disco did drink my beer and his beer, and I don't know how he does it because I, I thought there's no way I'm going to drink this. I'll be up 10 times tonight. Muscle memory. He drank water. He chugged some water. He drank two beers and still slept without having to get up in the middle of the night. It's amazing. And yeah. he didn't even use his standard pee bottle, so that was pretty impressive. I'll be signing autographs all month. Anyway, okay. your turn. Pacific Crest Trail kickoff. So uh, people may have heard they do a double header now. It used to be a Friday-Saturday event. Now it's a Wednesday-Thursday, Friday-Saturday event. And the odd thing that has happened is that now there is a permit system on the PCT, which only allows 50, I think, through hikers to day. start per day. Camp, Just out. the last two weeks of April. So... Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday were, it it was ghost town because now you've got a situation where you don't have, you know, 400 through hikers all bottled up at the kickoff starting at once. They've been spread out. Mm -hmm. And so they're not all at the kickoff anymore. And because of that, there was a, I'll just say there was a lot of vendors there Wednesday and Thursday that were, you know, Twiddling their thumbs, looking at their watches, and wondering why the heck did I come down on Wednesday and Thursday? The hikers that were there were hanging out in the pavilion or in their tents because it was raining, <laughs> yeah, and cold. It was the a, entire time. It was a hypothermic kickoff it's, this it's year. It's kind of like it's it's quite ironic. It's like all this rain is coming now. I know when it was really needed over the winter to build up the snowpack. Doesn't yeah. it just kind of suck, California? Yeah, it does. 
And we had the pleasure of meeting Ratatouille, who does a new yes. hiking podcast called Trailside Radio. Is he our competition? Uh, he is not. Collaboration. That's right. Just like yeah, the brewers. Come on, no, no. Just like the brewers. No, I think this is competition. So this, this is this is war. This is war. His most recent episode, which is episode six, has the interview he did with uh, Pod and I. You guys did an interview with him with the with the enemy. Yeah. And I have to play. I have to play a really short clip of it. And I want to get Mags's and Delos. You already know how I feel about this. So this is, Uh-oh. and this will show some insight into maybe what he's heard about the trail show hosts. All right. Uh-oh. Without further ado. Most or all of you are semi-retired from the no. long-distance hiking? No. Okay. Oh. So he said, <laughs> he said <laughs> most of you, <laughs> l- let's play that one more time. Most or all of you are semi-retired from the no. long-distance hiking? No. Okay. Oh. He said, most of you are semi-retired from long-distance hiking? He asked it as if it was a question. Max. So I actually listened to that podcast. Okay. And you qualified. Do you mean 2,000-mile hikes? Yes, that's yeah. Right. What what's a what's a well, long distance hike? Well, to me, I actually wrote something about this. You know, you hear, are you going hiking this year? Well, I go hiking pretty much every weekend. I mean, you right. mean capital H hiking with, you know, trail angels and um, water <laughs> yeah. caches. Capital and H hiking. <laughs> I mean, you it's get, like you capital is, W dude. wilderness. That, there yeah. it is, dude. Can we get that one recorded for? for but no, but perpetuity? you you, perpetuity. you, you perpetuity. can you yeah. can hear it in the. Are you going hiking this year? Meaning Cap- capital H, I guess. You can hear the capital H, and like you know, it's great and whatever. Right. But yeah, you know, I don't, you know, you know, it, you know, Ratatouille. We're just giving you grief, and I'm no, glad, no, no, no. I'm glad it's he, a legitimate question. <laughs> I get. I, I thought it was funny, but he's his podcast is really neat. It's actually got a, a really nice production value to it. He's got a good radio voice, and he's he's actually podcasting from the trail. Can I answer? Really can cool. I answer Ratatouille's really question? Cool. Yeah, Dila. Yes, Ratatouille. I am. Semi-retired from Capital <laughs> I would H say hiking. you're fully retired from Capital H Well, hiking. I'll actually announce too. I'd say I am. I'm at least semi-retired <laughs> from long distance hiking, if not completely retired from yeah. long distance hiking. I, I mean, don't think I, completely is a pretty strong statement because, like, you can be like 70 years old and just be like, "I'm going to go out and hike to 18." Yeah, <laughs> and you do it, true. man. Yeah, you, you could do it. Right, you could do it at 70. You could do it at 75, probably 80. Then you can come out of retirement. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So I'm, I, I'd say I'm at least semi-retired, and I think I think Paul, you should be proud of the fact that you're semi-retired too. I don't yeah. think oh, I, I know. Paul, I read Paul's post about this sort of this this hiking thing, and uh, yeah, I, I know the exact I know the exact sort of tone, and um, <laughs> I, I think that, <laughs> yeah. I think that for me, um, uh, you, um, I, I, to some degree, I wonder if like the short as the new long theme is sort of like an excuse for the fact that I don't do long distance hikes anymore, but. I have to say, I find, um, and Paul, I think you'd agree with this, like these shorter but much more intense, much more engaging trips are just as worthy and probably at least as rewarding as some of those longer trips. I mean, they definitely have a different sort of <coughs> outcome. Um, you feel like much more of like a backcountry sort of like explorer adventure rather than like a lifestyle. But but um, I don't think people mean it disrespectfully. The thing is, is that the I, thing is, is that for, for long, for through hikers, like that's their world, right? And, and we always speak to people based on our own, our own experiences. You know what I mean? That's all we can do. And for other people, I know the people that that surround me that are not hikers. They've heard about these other things that I've done, and so it's not like they're saying like, 
Oh, are you going capital H hiking? As if you're, if you're not, then what a useless summer. They're just, they're curious because they're thinking, well, well what are you doing this summer? Like, what crazy thing are you going to do this summer? So I don't think people mean it disre- disrespectfully. I, th- I think they're just, you know, speaking to their own, their own life lens. I would tend to agree. I think uh, having been a through hiker, um, I, I've used that tone myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all probably have. Capital like, H. Well, like I remember. In fact, I remember in most of my twenties thinking, like, why would anyone get married, buy a house, have kids, <laughs> take it on a real job? Yeah, I mean, you could be doing this, right? And ha- now I find myself in that exact situation, and then my response is, well, it's really not that bad. Actually, it's pretty damn good sometimes. But having said that, I am. You know, I come from a very large Catholic family. You know, everyone marries very young in my family. I am so glad I had the experience I had in my twenties and early thirties. And it made me who I am. I don't think I would appreciate these shorter but more intense journeys if it wasn't for the longer ones I took in my it's recent a, sure. past. It's, it's sure. a gamble, really, because you could you could live while you're young, you could live while you're old. Really. I like to call it the retire as you go program. What's yeah. that? What's that Neil Young song? Do I'm not going to sing the Neil <laughs> Young okay. song, well, but it's kind anyway. of like it's kind of like. Uh, Oh, I actually I'll sing another song Please. for you. It's called "Can I Live While I'm Young." Yeah, can I live while I'm young? Is that Pearl yeah. Jam? No, it's Fish. It's Chalk Dust. Chalk torture. Dust Torture. That's yeah. right. So it's kind of like it's like all right, you can live while you're long, or you can long. live while you're old. It's like take a gamble. You know, roll the dice. You know, you could like have kids when you're 22, like Mags's relatives in Long Island, and then be like 45. <laughs> it was 24 and, in and Rhode be, Island, and be. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> well, <laughs> be super healthy like his relatives in Long Island, and then go out long hiking on you know the Long Island Trail. I don't know if you guys have heard about that one. It's coming up, up and coming future through hiking a route through Long Island from end to end. There Anyways, is a Rhode Island Trail, North no, South Trail. No, there's not a Long Island Trail. I'm just making this up. All right. <laughs> but not you know, it's kind of like you could do it while you're young, or you could do it while you're old. What are you gonna do? You know. Well, here's what I would say. So last year... Or you could do it forever. I was able to forever. put down 1,000 miles of hiking. Yeah. This summer, POD is going to do 200 miles of hiking. What? The, 200? Are you kidding me? Yeah, More the Sierra High Route. That's 275. Okay, okay, okay. The KCHBR is 125. So what? at what number is a long-distance hike? Sure. And what number is not? What number do you capitalize the H? Yes. There Max, are. over to you. Well, I... Yeah, you know, I've been calling it alphabet soup hiking. You got to put a, a, a acronym on it now, and that makes it a long distance hike. So, so well, how long's the Lone Star Trail? We featured that before. It's like ninety miles yeah, long. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think it matters. Like I said, I think people are just curious. No, it matters, and we need to pull that long trail <laughs> episode from our archives because it's not. Long <laughs> it doesn't we're, qualify. We're, tangenting, we're, we're tangenting again. I think we should go back to our list. Okay, we're going to move on. Trail <laughs> trips are over. We're going right into I, our. I will just say I've been loving the discussion tonight. I agree. I agree. It's been good. And now it's time for Trail Tip of the Month. I'm throwing Trail Tip over to Mr. Andrew Skirka. Andrew, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're going to come full circle with how we kicked off this podcast. (laughs) I am going to walk you through, give you a how-to on how to urinate while walking. Oh, this is... (laughs) This is fantastic. Now, do you know any women that can urinate while Because I can pee standing up, but I don't think I could do it while walking. The, uh, I don't know of any women who um, have successfully done this. Although I did receive, an, I themselves. did receive an email once from a woman who says she writes me and says, "Hey, I read your how-to article on how to hike a fast through hike. Do you think it would be possible for me as a woman to urinate while walking if I?" 
carry one of these. And uh, these, oh, yeah, the I Lady like J. These was hyperlinked. Those were gross. These were gross. was hyperlinked. And yeah. I'm, and I'm like, do I click on this? Stuff? <laughs> 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 and and I clicked, and thank God it brought me to some page on REI. So yeah. okay, okay, those so are gross. Good. Yeah. So um. S- so, and let me put this all in context. I mean, we're, we're kind of laughing about it for good reason. The reality is that you're not going to save that much time by uh, peeing while walking. And, but I do use it to illustrate this point um, that, the, that the key to putting in really long days on a through hike or on a shorter hike is that you just spend time on your feet moving. And every day you can boil down to the equation of distance equals rate times time. And you can either hike fast or you can hike more. And uh, what hiker, what experienced hikers will tell you is that hiking fast really just wears them down. That's when they get injured, they get anxious, they sort of get like they uh, sort of like mentally wears on them. And it's much more sustainable to just hike more. So if you can put in say a ten-hour day walking a mere two miles an hour, which is totally doable for like an average backpacker, that's a twenty-mile day. And so, again, the key is hiking more. So uh, urinating while walking is one way to hike more because you don't have to stop to actually pee. Uh, the, the key with, um, to do this is that you have a pair of shorts that's conducive to p- sort of pulling up a leg. So right. in, my, uh, in the days where I, would, um, where I was like kind of an on-trail hiker and like a long-distance, long-distance hiking guru, um, I would uh, wear a pair of running shorts with a built-in liner. Were they short? They were short, like a like two three inch inseam. That's shorts. tiny, man. It's tiny. <laughs> well, yeah, they are. They're short. Uh, they're short shorts. And yes. And I should say, like you know, I uh, I've been a lifelong runner. I started uh, running competitively when I was fourteen. I haven't stopped. Um, uh, this uh, yesterday morning, I did a f- uh, a five by one mile workout, averaging uh, five was it five thirty six per mile. Oh for, my gosh! For, with a four hundred meter jog, so I'm a lifelong runner. So for me to wear a pair of running shorts, totally natural. It actually feels weird for me to be in a pair of long shorts. I'm like, what? what am I gonna go play basketball right now? <laughs> sure. <laughs> going skateboarding, are you? <laughs> <laughs> So a pair of short shorts, built-in liner, and you can just sort of pull up that, pull up that inside liner and those shorts, and let it kind of hang. And you need to walk a little, a little um, sort of uh, bow-legged, a little wide-legged as you walk yeah. along, and you can kind of do your business. And it ends up co- sort of being in this zigzagging pattern as you're walking <laughs> down the trail. And uh, the most difficult part of peeing while walking is is the final, and it's the shake. And um, you should just probably <laughs> accept that you're going to pee on your shorts. So, <laughs> so you actually see. I was imagining that you. I didn't know you let it hang. I was imagining you stick your hiking poles in one hand and your other pole in the other hand, <laughs> and kind of guide while you're walking. But no, you just let it. Just let it go. Hel- well, no, no, you, no, you, you, out, I th- no. I think you need to hold it. I think, yeah, oh, yeah okay. I think, yeah, okay. you need to hold it. And probably both trekking poles under one arm would probably be the best way to well, go. Yeah. Now, tell We're, me, tell me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but didn't you calculate? And I may have just made this up. That I think I did. That you spent uh, the average hiker, male hiker, spends 15 minutes a day just peeing. No. On trail. No. Well, if, no. If you assume, no, say, I, I think that's yeah, probably reasonable. Does yeah, that probably. include pooping too? Can, can you poop while you're walking? No. <laughs> no, that's... No, no, no. D-Lo, come but on, I, man. But I did once... Uh, My so son <laughs> can poop while he's walking. <laughs> <laughs> he's a gifted child. <laughs> um, I, I, probably about, yeah, 10 or 15 minutes. Probably it, is about right. Okay, because so I did the calculation because if you figure 15 minutes and then the Great Western Loop, it took you seven months. Yeah. I, I came up with over two full days yeah. just peeing. So right. if, you, if you're able to eliminate stopping while you're peeing... 
you just shortened the hike by like a couple days. days. Yeah, that's I just that's I'm, actually sort of significant. Think, I would yeah. say I don't think I've ever been that hydrated in a day that I've taken fifteen minutes. <laughs> um, I okay. know that's bad, but that's real. Yeah, I I don't know what the numbers would be. I have to run them again, but I'm gonna keep track again, of my, I mean, of my kind hikes of, this summer. I think this is all. It's all fun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. No, no, actually, yeah. this is very well, serious. Well, <laughs> and Andrew, I will tell you that when we were in the Skylake Skylake Wilderness in oh, Oregon yes. during 2008, worst oh mosquitoes God. I've ever been in in my entire Ooh. life, hands down. You know, if you stop to pee, you're you're toast. And I didn't so stop. So I remembered. I remembered what you had talked about <laughs> with the Great Western Loop. That's true. And that's when I forced myself for seven days straight to learn how to pee and walk at the same time because that is the only way I could keep from getting kamikazed yeah. by a hundred mosquitoes all at once. So I have a related tip for you. Um, I learned this one when I was walking across the Brooks Range uh, during, uh, it was like the beginning of August, end of July, but the mosquitoes were the worst mosquitoes I've ever seen. Like they put anything I've seen in the Sierra, Oregon, uh, the Wind River Range is like 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 a uh, Brooks Range, yeah, Alaska. Brooks Ra- it's sure. another level, sure. another level. Um, so, uh, of course, you know, related to n- to going number one is having to go number two. Oh and, yeah, which is even worse because you actually the paper. Back to this earlier question from uh, <laughs> you can't actually you take can't. a dump <laughs> while walking. Um, what if so, you you know kind of squat and just kind of waddle like a dog <laughs> I don't, crab walk i don't think you can waddle fast enough to keep the bugs off i of guess you. that's what it comes down so to the, yeah. the key thing is that you try to get yourself in a windy area like uh, you try to get yourself try to find a, line, a windy area yeah. which isn't going to be always be possible especially in places like the cascades but in the brooks range they're almost you know they're, they're basically no trees some on the south side but um you have to get pretty pretty low elevation to get trees and then you get to a windy spot and you point your butt into the air and you're f- looking downwind, and what happens is the mosquitoes, they don't fly very well in wind, so they'll mm-hmm. actually all swarm to your front side where you can see them, and then you can be swatting at them oh, while, no, see, you're doing your, really while you're doing your business. while you're doing your business. This is a two-for-one yeah. tonight, everybody. Now, the key... Two for so one. I two unfortunately one. learned yeah. this tip the hard way, and that okay. one time I, um, uh, I faced um, upwind... <laughs> And all the mosquitoes <laughs> flew to my rear, <laughs> and I and got, you ended up with some finger pain. I got so bit up <laughs> on my butt, and like, and not just on the butt. I mean, they bit everything back there. So <laughs> the whole uh, fruit it was bowl, the whole thing. <laughs> so, oh boy! The, um, and despite me being as quick as I possibly That's could right. be, there's just some limits on on the f- the sort of bodily functions. So. Yeah. yeah. When we were in the, when we were <laughs> wait no no no. <laughs> Maybe we should get out of here with the three. Yeah, yeah two, we will. One. All right, that was one hell of a trail tip. Two for one tonight, everybody. No one two on the one. trail show, the history of the trail show, could have given that trail tip the way Andrew did. So thank you, Andrew, <laughs> for for uh, indulging us there for a moment. Okay, we got to take our last break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get into mailbag, ask a hiker, and everything else we've got left. So stay tuned.
The Trail Show. Less gear, more beer. And The Trail Show is back. You can find us at Facebook and Instagram at The Trail Show and on Twitter at Trail Show. So we're getting ready to get into our mailbag. And before we do that, I just have a couple thank yous. Uh, we had a couple folks at the PCTKO come out and find us. Moose Legs and Captain Crinkle brought us San Diego beer and hard root beer, which I'd never had before, at the oh, KO. it was good. Uh, Trail Show listener Aaron Winner brought us some homebrew IPA at the kickoff. We're at the Gossamer Gear booth, and they brought us beer. It was oh, awesome. We're not worthy, but we sure sure are thankful. Um, listener of the Trail Show, Stella, came up to the booth. I want to give... Stella, a shout out. Stella! Melody and Sam brought uh, POD a $20 trail show donation. And I guess you met yeah, her so, originally on the CDT? So, uh, two summers ago, I was hiking with a tourist. I did a section of the CDT in Colorado with him. And we were hiking up a road that goes to uh, the base of Grays and Tories. It was pouring rain, and we, we ran into these three people that we're going to do Grays and Tories the next day. And we just started chatting with them. And she told me at the kickoff, she said, you know, I was talking to you and you were talking about hiking. And, and I said, I can't because I have a job and this and that. And you were like, screw it. Quit your job. Go hiking. And so now I'm here and I'm hiking the PCT. And that was two years ago. So, Oh, wait a minute. Wow. So she was on trail at the PCT this year because yes. you had a bad conversation with her two summers That's ago? That's correct. I'm responsible for her delinquency. That's wow. awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. That is kind of really neat. Really cool. Did uh, you say that Aaron Winter brought you beer? Yeah. Do you know him? He was on a trip of mine. Yep. Yeah. Get out. He's really wow. nice guy. Aaron was on. Um, uh, a, yep. Trip back in August or September of 2013. Oh, and very he cool. Actually, some of the route that we did on that trip was part of the Kings Canyon High Basin route. Oh, cool. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. He he just came up to the booth and. Um, found POD and I and handed us a bomber, a 22-ounce <laughs> bottle of his homebrew, which was wow. fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so people are hiking in brews. <laughs> That's right. I guess so. Um, also, Limey and Honey Badger came up. Uh, Honey Badger's been a previous donor to the yes, trail show. a couple times she's been a donor. Some would say donator. Yeah, some would say. And they would be incorrect, grammatically speaking. Southerners. And I'll just say we had a really great time at the Gossamer Gear booth. Thanks again to the Gossamer Gear guys for having us. And I also want to mention, last month, I played a little tune by Pat Dixon. And just to refresh everyone's memory, get ready. D'Lo, you love this. Anti-trail, anti-trail, anti-trail. <laughs> it's a little Metallica. <laughs> Here we go. Back on the trail, we don't stop till we get on that hill. Girth. We don't stop till we get up that hill. Girth. We don't stop till we get up that hill. Oh. And anyway, I failed to mention Pat Dixon's oh, website. Oh, 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 oh. Andrew, where did that come from? <laughs> that, that was uh, that's a trail show he, listener. Like, half the room is like stoked, and the other half the room is just like, "What the? Yeah, what just happened, man? What was that?" So that's a, a trail show listener named Pat Dixon. That's his band. He's Pat, on the CDT right now. Pat Dixon and the Delicious Three. And I failed to mention his website, which I promised him. It's patdixon.org. 
you can go follow along with Pat Dixon as he hikes the yeah. CDT. And Andrew, yes, he is a one-man band, and he made that entire song <laughs> himself. He That's did right. the guitar, the vocals, the drums, <laughs> oh, everything. Love it. <laughs> Pretty cool. They didn't have D-Lo around because <laughs> I could come in with the bass and yeah. just talk yeah. about girth or something, you know. <laughs> okay, with all that, let's finally get into mailbag. Uh, it's a wicked short mailbag. Wicked short, there, boy. Wicked short. Uh, it's from Cat Wickstrom via the Twitter at Trail Show. Listening and loving the show. Now I'm tempted by the Great Mags Trail, the GMT, if you will. <laughs> For a culmination of all trails. <laughs> nice. Oh, that was the the bits and pieces you described. So if you only have one, year, oh, yeah. one season to do a trail, pick and choose. Cherry pick. But yeah. Mags, as we have learned tonight, if you cherry pick and just hike small trails, you won't be able to say that you went hiking with a capital H. That, that's true. <laughs> that is true. It, you but will, you will be able to say you went driving with a capital D. Because of all the logistics. Or Greyhounding with a capital G. (laughs) Or little Joe Carker could get on that airplane. Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Donations. We're moving on to donations. Yeah, a short mailbag. (laughs) Yeah, we have our every month donors, Diane Pinkers. Yeah. The. Bobby Walters. Bobby Walter. Elizabeth. Giganti. Giganti. Matt Murray. Murray. Bernard Wolf. Gumi. Gumi Bear. Russ Kinder. Craig Gully, Justin Gully. Quality Knowles, Buddy Sessoms, Ken Steinhoff, Mark Daigle, Gringo Madness, Ingrid Gerard, and how about our one-offs? We have Colin Campbell, Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> now wait a minute, wasn't Matt Jeff- LeBlanc in Friends? Wasn't yes, he one of the was, characters yep, in the him. TV show yeah, Friends? Joey is yeah, yeah. that's his name. Yeah. Interesting, Jeffrey he Col- donates to the trail show yeah, now. Jeffrey Caldwell. Louis Brooks. Oh, I thought it was Louis. Louis. I, I'm, I'm not, just kidding. I'm Louis not Brooks. sure. And, and go ahead, go for it. I was going to say Jeremy Koch. Very cool. All Thanks, right. everybody. And we should mention one more time that this month's donations are going to Pemba Sherpa's fund to rebuild his village in Nepal. That's yep. right. So Jeremy, that <laughs> that you gave us is going to go to Pemba. <laughs> Hey. All right. So anyway, and I wanted to mention our beer sponsors again: Frito, Rolltai Garcia, and Aaron Snyder. And uh, we've been drinking some tasty stuff here. Now, I want to say that we got into the kombucha beers, and I love them. I don't think anybody else likes them. They're so tart. And that means that Disco's driving home tonight a first. <gasps> uh, but I love them. They're so, I could drink these. They're like shandies. How can you not they like, like them? Shandies. They're so delicious. They're, so, they're super tart. I thought that was a shandy. I didn't realize no, it was kombucha. No, it's, it's, a, kombucha it's it. a very interesting flavor, Oh, actually. my God. So good. It's because it's like, okay, let me read them off. A hippie thing. All right, here we go. We've got the Unity Vibration, uh, which goes along with our theme tonight. How does it say it goes with the girth? Kombucha beer. This is from... Uh, How does it Unity matter? It doesn't matter. Keep going, Petey. <laughs> vibration, girth? I don't know. We've got, oh, the Backwards ba- backwards Bastard. That was fantastic. Oh, that was my, the a matter of fact, that's the in founders? the running for Trail Show Beer Take of the Year. Take that bottle founders. home with you. Don't recycle that. Save it. We need okay. to remember that. Why is We've that got there? the uh, Zombie Dust. Oh, the Saison de Bouffe. And this other Unity Vibration is the Bourbon Peach American Wild Ale with kombucha. Can you, what was the gray can over there? I want to speak on that. That was the Ashtray Stout. This is the Ashtray Potholes with Ash Stout. Okay. Frito Rolltide Garcia, I love you, man. But that beer has a very very distinct aftertaste of Ashtray. 
and I'll leave it at that. Maybe hey, Marge. Hey, Marge. <laughs> okay. Does that cover? Uh, I mean, there, there's still some more in the bag that we haven't opened yet, but it's we'll been a great. Them. Let me just say, I always like to compliment people who, and not just because he's my brother, but people who can pick out beers that are not available in Colorado, that are very unique, and he did not send us any doubles. That's not true. He sent us one, but Disco already drank it. So they're all singles. A incredible, incredible selection of different, yep. different, completely different things. The Chill Wave Love is it. one of the best IPAs I've ever had. Real, yes. Just a super quick question. If you two are brother and sister, why do you have different names? Hey, man, don't. Do you have the same last name as your don't sister? Don't go there, D'Lo. Do you have the same last name as your sister? I do, yeah. Really? Yeah. Did she not take a married name? No, she did not. Oh, me neither. No, that's his Does your brother take a married name? No. He could. <laughs> Why couldn't he? Why don't you have the same last name? That's, as tra- that's his trail name. That's not his real name. Okay. Thank Obviously, you. his real name is not Frito Rolltide Garcia. Come on. I just wanted our listeners to know this because I feel like for the past three years, we've been talking about Frito Rolltide no. Garcia. And nobody knows who this elusive guy is. And it turns out that he's your brother. He's written to us. He's actually belittled me in his letters to the <laughs> trail show. And I just want everybody no. to know that this is actually another Hermosilla. So, oh, and it's just oh, at not the end. Hermosillo, not beautiful flower, whatever. It doesn't matter. He's just not one of us, man. That's all. Uh huh. At least he stayed for the entirety. He of the did brew actually hike. stay for the entirety of the brew hike. I actually had to go home right after Misty Money Bastard. So, you had a yeah. brew hike with a lowercase b. Dude, have I ever finished a brew hike? <laughs> I ever finished a brew yeah. hike? Either. All right, moving along. You guys are still talking. To what Andrew's, to Andrew Skirka's point, it's kind of like a, a mountaineering expedition. <laughs> 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 you can't, you know, expect to finish it. All these, exactly. There's all these. How loud do I have to make the crickets, man? <laughs> there's all these just. <laughs> okay, alrighty. We watched a movie this month, Mags. There's just all these extra oh. things. That- <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway, yes, the uh, media. We have two media musings. I'll discuss what, the first. Two? Yes, two. What? French Wedge was the second. Oh, yes. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, the Na- National Geographic Wild Horses. Uh, it was a documentary about the wild horses in the West. and It was great. You know, I, th- I thought I was watching something off a visitor center at a national park. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you said that, Mags. Because I, I recommend it. I'm like, oh, National Geographic, because you have high quality. Uh-huh. Uh, I was expecting a little history, a little culture. Again, it looked like something you see at the visitor center for 45 minutes with the family. This is the national park, and the wild horses go through the west. Blah, and blah. it was like an ad for horse killing. Yes, like, it was we like, have to do this because they're uh-huh. sick. And there's part of that. I mean, that's a legitimate thing. That's the entire one was about. I mean, and mentioned again nothing about the history of it or about the culture as part of the American Max, West. Let me ask you a question because you're you know pretty much everything that I ever want to know. So. <laughs> <laughs> Where, we, were, we, we watched this, this movie with a friend, and I was thinking to myself, okay, so the horses weren't native, right? Where did they come from? Well, I mean, I know that people brought them, but Spain. where are they from originally? originally? Well, it's funny you mention that. So where I was a f- this past weekend, the grasslands area, horses are actually originally from North America. What? It, let me finish here. They found fossils. It, that's another travesty of that area. It's a big fossil bed. They're going to make it a national monument, and the fuel interests nix right. it into it. But they found um, rhinoceros, uh, bleh, rhino fossils as well as horse fossils. Okay. And millions of years ago, the horses actually came from here originally. Huh. Then they crossed over the land bridge, and they, uh, they okay. and that's how they went to the Eurasian steppes. Okay. 
And of course, they died out here along with other creatures. So this this documentary is basically talking about how they do these cullings uh, every so often because the horse population gets out of control and the land can't support the horses, and so they do these gatherings and they either sell them or or, or kill them off. And that may be legitimate, but yeah. Well, what was interesting to me that's why I asked the question about where do they come from because my thought was we have had we have had winters and living in Crested Butte, I think we saw this a lot more where you have a really harsh winter and there's a lot of dead animals, you know, elk and deer and stuff, but we don't collect them and kill them off. We just let them die. And and the commentary in the movie was the people who live there saying, it's so horrible to see these horses dying. They're so skinny and thin and, you know, whatever. And uh, I just thought, well, yeah, I, I can see why that would be really horrible. But uh, it's 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 the guinea pig. Oh god! I thought someone was knocking no. at Max's door. It's our mascot. The yes. Are the police here? No. <laughs> la migra. Should so I? La migra. I'm going to jump off the third story deck. See so you guys. my thought was that you know just we don't do that with other animals. So why do we do it with horses? That's uh, all. Maybe you wouldn't know from watching this. Documentary. Actually, you know, I don't know. That's a good point because, like, in you know Rocky Mountain National Park, for example, there should be elk hunting there because those there is elks. Is there? They call now, yeah. They can kill the elks up in Rocky Mountain there's, now? There's a program where they call. They do? Mm-hmm. What, wait, wow. what do you mean there's a program that they what? Cull. They, call. they oh. gather they and call kill. Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically they're doing what they're doing for the horses, but they can't let people go out in Rocky Mountain and just shoot the elks because they'd probably accidentally shoot some tourists or people like <laughs> us that were hiking <laughs> there or trying to skier or something. Do. Yeah, but it's not like you, it's not like hunters can go out and shoot the elk. Not just regular hunters. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's professional hunters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's not like you know Snipers. Joe Bob from Texas can get a, a right. permit to go hunt hunt horses because or elk because you know they might accidentally shoot tourists. So they just shoot, they just harvest the animals because there are no natural predators, and without the natural predators, they would just destroy the landscape. And they're trying to just maintain a balance. And human beings are capable of augmenting nature. Just go. So I only made it 40 minutes of the way through this film. And I'll just say, I'll say two things. A, I thought this was a great film if you're involved in setting horse policy for the BLM. And my second takeaway was for a National Geographic production... Yeah, that's uh, why I was disappointed. The quality was was very subpar for what they normally put out, and I thought they they really went to the well with a lot of 1980s and 1990s video clips that I I just couldn't figure out what they were doing. And you know, who am I to judge, you know, or critique their their work? But I I would just say I. I I was surprised that National Geographic had attached their name to that. What about film. Annie of the Wild Horses? I think her asp- her role in all of this was just really awesome. I liked Annie of the Wild Horses. She was really great, and I think what she did was just pretty cool because prior to that, it was just all these rednecks just going out and killing horses just for fun. And oh, I and think, the way they did it was horrible, And it was too. absolutely horrible, and I think what she did was really wonderful, and I think that was one thing that you guys are all just losing in your, you know, focusing on the subpar production aspects of this video, it's like this is, you know, this is a woman who actually really made a difference. It's one woman who made a difference, and yeah. it's, that's that's pretty remarkable. All right, then, Delo, yay or nay on Nat Geo's Wild Horses? Yay. Really? Yeah, I liked it. P.O.D., yay or nay? Nay. Mags, yay or nay? Nay. I give it a resounding... Well, <laughs> screw you guys. <laughs> out of here, man. I'm done. I'm fucking out of Language, here. Language, please. Bleep that out. I'm 
fucking dumb with you, you know, guys. but when you see a National Geographic documentary, at least for yeah. me, I expect oh, a yeah. certain wonderful high quality. Even if I don't care for the message, I it, agree. You know, the quality is going to be good and engaging. I, exactly. That wasn't the case. I, I Mags, I. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so now we we had this second thing, the French wedge, which um, I'm just yes. gonna I'm just gonna play a clip for our listeners. We did post it on our Facebook page, but to to really have this Actually, discussion, someone else posted it. To really have this discussion, I need to play this clip. So here we go. So that's your backpack, huh? <laughs> You've had it for years and it's never let you down. Yeah, your old backpack is good enough, right? Wrong. Once again, that's world-renowned naturalist and lecturer, the outdoors ultimate enthusiast, Steve Clymer. And this time, he's wearing the brand new Archwood Flex Trek 37 trillion Whipsnake Edition. A pack so revolutionary, you'd have to be insane to go near any trail without it. This is Steve Clymer, the Outdoors Ultimate Enthusiast. I've always worn Archwood backpacks, whether it's the Sass Flex Day Pack, Easy Breeze Edition, or the classic Black Geyser. The Flex Trek 37 Trillion Whip Snake Edition is Archwood's most responsive pack yet. What about the Whip Snake Sidewinder Edition? I series with its space age responsive flex. <laughs> okay, okay, that's that's that, completely that out of control. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think it was one of our listeners, Jeffrey Caldwell, (laughs) posted that. And it's one of the most fantastic YouTube clips I've seen. And who did we run into this past weekend who says they know Steve Clymer? Yeah. (laughs) That's Uh, somebody's trail name. They know that guy. Cactus. Cactus said he knows Steve Clymer. Yeah. You're not Steve Clymer, but Steve Clymer is. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a great little piece of media. Uh, please magic. Go, please go to our Facebook page and watch that if you haven't already. It's highly recommended. <laughs> I watched it without the audio, man, and I just died laughing. <laughs> I didn't even need to hear that audio. Yeah, but the audio but hearing so the great. audio was amazing, man. I, I love the very the, the very first sentence. So that's your backpack. <laughs> <laughs> that's right up there. Why are you girls hiking here? Uh, <laughs> so, so that's your backpack, huh? <laughs> Andrew, has anyone ever come up to you and like seen this tiny little rucksack and been like, "So that's, so your, that's your backpack, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had that response? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Well, Steve Clymer has. Yeah. <laughs> I, I once had a guy. I saw that video years ago. That was made me. I laughed my tail off on that it's thing. It's so funny. I mean, it's, he's got that back. It's like 15 yeah. feet up in the air. I like when he's running up the trail and you keep seeing more and more of the backpack, but you don't see him until five seconds later when he fi- his body finally comes up over the rise. Wasn't he pretty scantily clad, too, in the desert? <laughs> yeah, he you know, had, he's like wearing nothing. He had Le Cravasse, <laughs> yeah. the French wedge. <laughs> like nothing on, man. Oh, oh, good man. grief. Okay, moving on. Okay, where were we? Thank you for that little piece of yeah. magic. It, it washed out the taste of the National Geographic <laughs> documentary. <laughs> hey, and, and one little quick note. Father's Day is coming up on June 21st, and I'd like to recommend a book for all those folks trying to figure out what to buy for a Father's Day gift. It's the book Nature's Housekeeper by Michael Gurnow. Yours truly wrote the afterword, and the trail show is mentioned in the quotable quote section in the front of the book. You can get it on Amazon.com. Wow. And at bookstores right now. 
Now, right Andrew, here. do you want us to set up a separate photo shoot where you can just take pictures of D'Lo? Because <laughs> we can, we can well, arrange I'm that. You should to get good photos of you everyone. You should see him. With it's his, tough with the dark. It is. You should yeah. see him with his shirt off, my friend. Uh, you don't want to see or him. Or the with two of them I can together, tell just based on the silhouette. So that's your backpack. <laughs> <laughs> the two of these, the two of these together with their shirts off. Why didn't we take our shirts off with Whitney when he was here two months? Because he's also furry, like you guys. No, we we're supposed to all three of us. It was a, it was a hair shirt lockup. Furry too. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, maybe not. Come on, pull it down. No. Pull it down. No. But I'm... if any of you guys have nipples, oh, oh, oh! What's up with those pepperonis oh. on your nipples, dude? What are those? Ouch! So don't get bloody nipples. Ouch! Do you huh? not like use in your body regular shirt? Wait, why do you have nipple tape on your nipples right you... now? Because I, it's just easier it's to permanent. keep it on. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever tried like liquid band well, let me show my nipples <laughs> <laughs> do you have tape on your nipples right now i don't have you ever tried but li- i did draw on them it just doesn't <laughs> i just don't feel like applying it every day i mean like yeah. la- i ran 90 miles last week okay so and it stays on for yeah, how long they, yeah like a week a week yeah. what is it some special tape no it's just athletic tape huh yeah. huh okay Oh, we got some questions here. Ask a hiker. Justin Cheney writes, D'Lo, talk to me about nipple tape. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> no, he did not. What did he <clears throat> ask? He really girthy. I just started listening to the podcast a few weeks ago, and I'm almost caught up with the current episode. In the last few weeks I've been listening, I've had an itch that could either be a longing to get back on the trail or a possible STI. Either way, I've got a couple questions for you and the gang. STI, does anybody know what that I, is? Sexually transmitted infection, but... There con- we go. Continue. <laughs> Moving on. <clears throat> About a mile or two down the trail from when I take my daily constitutional, I usually have the need to engage in a rewipe. Does this happen to you, or am I the only one? Oh, Can wow. I answer this? Yes, yeah. please. That's okay, question number so one. This is, this is something that I, I, we regularly address on all of uh, the guided trips because it's. I think personal hygiene is a is a really important topic. Yeah. Uh, very under uh, sort of under addressed, and there's kind of this um, attitude within the backpacking community that like the dirtier you are, the the cooler you are, and it's just actually the opposite. But not in the butt. Well, you'd think so, but um, so here here's kind of basically what's happening. So you're out there, you're doing your daily business sometimes you know, multiple times a day and uh you're not showering like you do regularly at home you're not getting really clean back there even if you're using a lot of toilet paper or or um you know whatever kind of whatever technique you use my my a quick tangent my personal recommendation to minimize the amount of toilet paper you use start with natural materials to get kind of the bulk of things off get it clean and then kind of do some polishing with a, a square or two of toilet paper. In any event, um, so it's important that you wash yourself when you're out in the backcountry. And when I say wash, the key thing here is that you make contact with the area. You can't just splash some water on it and call it good. So what I would <laughs> what what I, I would recommend you. So this is a, you're basically giving yourself a backcountry bidet. So get some water in a water bottle. Walk away from your water source. So kind of um, pull your pull your pants off or at least one leg, and then tip the bottle. Um, uh, up and kind of let the water run down your your butt crack and get into that area and then you don't even need soap you just need to kind of just uh use some water to clean up that area really well and doing that once a day 
makes all the difference. And, and, and then you got to wash your hand pretty well afterwards. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to go digging I, into your gort bag <laughs> or no. your partner's gort bag. I would say right. dig I, into someone else's gort bag. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm giving you the very. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the pubes, buddy. <laughs> I'm giving you the very quick version. I mean, there okay. are a few more yeah. details involved here. Yeah. But there's, I, there's nothing wrong with the rewipe. I mean, the rewipe happens in every day, too. Well, I mean, it's like, unless you poop before you shower. If you poop before you shower, then there should be no need for but a rewipe also, unless things are oozing. I also find that if you use wet wipes... Yes, wet wipes. It really takes wipes. care of... <laughs> yeah. Problem with the wet wipes, they don't break down. They're no, I pack them out. You gotta pack them out. Yeah, you gotta pack them out. Yeah. Sure. The backcountry bidet solves... Uh, yeah. eliminates the need for... But yeah, yeah, wet wipes are huge. So I actually kind of like a little bit of toilet paper and then a wet wipe to just oh, I love the wet up. wipe. Maggie. Uh, back when we had special... On yeah. a 14 or through hike, he mentioned that as well. Yeah, yeah uh, Janaid. Yeah. Yeah, he talked about it. And Andrew, we actually posted the YouTube video, which you had posted about the more instructional. Oh, back Mike Collins back yes. every day? We yeah. posted that on our Facebook page a yeah. while back. All right, question number two from Justin Cheney. Cue that should have been question number two. <laughs> five or six more episodes to go before I get caught up. I'm wondering if you've done a review of duct tape yet. I don't remember right now if you do the gear reviews or not, but who cares? I'm tired and I've got an infant. If not, have at it. You're welcome. Mags, <laughs> have we done an, a review that was a of great duct tape? Question. I, I don't think we have. All right, then put it on your list. Question number three. <laughs> the answer is no, Justin. We have not. It's on Mags' list. <laughs> question number three. As a new father, I haven't had much luck finding baby-sized ice axes. I'm concerned about my 11-month-old getting in a situation on the trail where she may need to do a self-arrest. I'm thinking maybe a dual-use item, possible pacifier ice axe. If I've stumbled on a new product and you folks would like to help me with the marketing, please have your legal department get in touch with me. I don't think so, but you know who would? Who? Whitney Allgood LaRufa. Dude, because he's the Kickstarter genius. That's right. And he will, and Justin, Whitney Allgood LaRufa. Whitney, if you're listening, and I know you are, get in touch with Justin Cheney. I don't know where he is or his email address or or his phone number or anything, but just look him up. You'll find him. (laughs) Get in touch with him. I think he's got a winner right here, buddy. That's right. Okay. Justin says, thanks for all the great shows. Hell, thanks for the crappy ones, too. Juice. <laughs> right, I got another great. question. I got another what, question. What? You got another, another yeah, Ask yes, a Hiker? Easy with that rave music, whatever okay. you just did. Matt LeBlanc writes via email Hey, TTS crew, finally emailing after blazing my way through the first 35 episodes over the winter. Being from the north northeast New Brunswick, Canada, I got to ask about the AT Boogeyman. Dot, dot, dot. Ticks. Yeah. Uh, do any? Do you have any suggestions for dealing with them? Yes. Removal, prevention, etc. Yes. Are they really as bad as the interweb leads me to believe? Yes. Yes. Cheers and keep up the great work, Matt LeBlanc. P.S. I completed the trail show Triple Crown, iTunes review, a donation, and a hiker question. Oh, oh we salute you, nice. Mr. LeBlanc. Thank you. I have some, I have some advice on prevention. Yeah. Don't hack the AT. Or actually. To uh, to the credit of that guy who hiked with his eight year old son who wrote the book that I bought that I love so much but I can't remember their name or anything, um, those guys actually hiked like the middle section of the AT from Harper's Ferry to Southern Vermont in like March. Yeah. Not not like in March, but March and April when there's no ticks, which is fantastic because so there's seasons. less there's less ticks in the Southern Appalachians than there is in the Central or um, you know 
Southern Northern Appalachians. You like that? Southern Northern? <laughs> it's pretty good. Northern uh, West? Yeah. I do it's like that. It's crazy, right? Central but South. basically, I'm talking about like before you get to Vermont, because I think when you get up into Vermont, you get a little higher. There's less yeah. grasslands, there's less ticks. But Massachusetts, New York. I really New don't Jersey. think there's any way to avoid it if you hike in season. Anymore. Yeah, if you hike it's in season, crazy. It's, it is crazy. So I think you got to hike out of season. You start at Harpers Ferry, you hike to you get the you hit the snow in southern Vermont in a normal year, and then you go back down south, and then you hike north to Harpers Ferry, and then you get back on in Vermont, and you've probably hiked around the ticks. Or the, um, the other option, fortunately, is long sleeves, long pants. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would yeah. say just long sleeve, long pants. I would add uh, permethrin treated clothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that lasts, you know, f- what, four to six weeks? No. Uh, if, if like a wash in like aftermarket treatment, what you'd really want to do is uh, if you were going to do the Appalachian Trail, you'd either buy uh, factory treated permethrin. Uh. Uh, so like something like, say, like uh, Ex Officio Insect Shield. Right. Or you could, if you didn't want to use... Um, if 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 there wasn't any clothing out on the market that you actually wanted to use for hiking the Appalachian Trail, you can take your clothing, ship it off to Insect Shield, and they'll actually treat it for you. Oh, really? Like, oh, okay. It's like ten bucks a garment. I didn't so you know could, that. Yeah, you could oh. take your you could take your running shorts with your two inch inseam <laughs> and, and get a ship it off. off Maybe yeah. they wouldn't charge you ten bucks because they'd be they'd be like, well, these aren't really shorts. These the, are more like the, underwear yeah, panties. Yeah, so, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> you know. How many thousands of people hike the AT each year? I mean, and more and more people thousand. are getting Lyme does disease. Everyone man. does. Everyone get Lyme disease? No. It's becoming more and more common. I though. know. I know that the majority, of, like uh, some of my good friends who live in the Northeast, <laughs> who are avid outdoors people, they've had Lyme disease, and it's yeah. been pretty traumatic, and it's been pretty severe, and it's been really serious. Sounds awful. I'm going to compare it to skin cancer. Are you necessarily going to get cancer if you don't put on the sunscreen, use proper protection? Good chance not, but is there a good chance you will get it? Yeah. Or like pregnancy. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. What? I think the best <laughs> thing, what? you know, the best thing in my opinion is to hike the AT out of season. Start at Harpers Ferry, hike okay. to hit the snow, then go back down south. You're also going to be not contributing to the glut that is going to be the um, walk in the woods crowd come next year. Walk in the wild. Don't be judgmental. The herd. What? Walk in the wild through the wilderness. Is it Obama's fault? Yes. It's always a bomb. It is. All right. It's that time. It's that time where we rock out because Mags loves techno. Here we go. That's right. All right, Mags. Do we have a gear review this month? We do. We were going to review it last month, but we're going to shuffle it to this month. Okay. What do you got? It's the the most important part of hiking. You can't consume your food without it. You can't walk without it. It's it's part of water. It's It's the very air we breathe. Oxygen. So oxygen is your gear review? Yes. It, <laughs> How dare you? Because without, How dare you make a mockery of gear that way? No, no, because without oxygen, people couldn't create the gear <laughs> we use and we design. And oxygen is actually the greater part of water. Oh, Andrew, yeah. you see what we do on the show here, man? You see what we do? That was sounding like a cop-out to me. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, you, we could, you we could obviously be reviewing listen, duct tape Yeah, you haven't listened man, to our other you know? gear reviews. <laughs> this well, was, you know, I, well, oxygen. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Uh, absolutely. And so I mean, just ask someone. Yeah, what do you have to say about it? oxygen? Do you, what, how many stars do you give it? Oh, I give it six. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> on a five-star scale—that's impressive. What else oh, do you a have six to star say? Scale. What kind yeah. of Yelp review would you give it? Well, it depends. Is oxygen paying me to write the review in Yelp? It's <laughs> 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 a good point. Wait, is that, is, is that it? <laughs> that's it, D'Lo. <laughs> it's, no, there's got to be more to it than that. It's a very basic element. <laughs> yeah, but. Nope. This like, is how the does this stand up to like UV rays 
or drenching rain for three days or, you know, between resupply points. It's 20% of the world's atmosphere. It's very important. This is the part of the show where we end the show. Thanks to everyone for tuning in today. A big thanks to Andrew Skirka for guesting on today's show. What the f*** kind of gear review was that? (laughs) (laughs) Anything you want to plug, Andrew. No, no, no. Okay. This has been fun. You guys are... This is a lot of fun. Very yeah. cool. Thanks so, thanks so much for coming on. Big thanks to Frida Rolltai Garcia for providing today's great Michigan beers. And Aaron Snyder. And Aaron Snyder. And, of course, thanks to all our monthly PayPal donors. And please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can always find us at www.thetrailshow.com, twitter.com slash trailshow, on Facebook, Instagram, and Cafe Press at The Trail Show on Stitcher Radio, and, of course, on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at LAWTONG. Mags is at PMagsCo. DLO is at DLOW. POD is at Felicia Darkness. And Andrew is at Andrew Skirka. We hope to be back in Leadville in June for another try at doing a road show at the Leadville Hostel. Check our Facebook page for updates. Another trail show has come and gone. We'll be back next month with more beers, trails, and nonsense. Until then, for the Princes of Darkness, Mags, Delo, and Andrew Skirka, I'm Disco. Ciao. Oh, two. Anti trail. Anti trail. Anti trail. Short, long. Short, bong. No, short, long, and girthy. KCHBR. Casey Knocker. Short is the new long. Casey Knocker. Girth is the new anti-girth. We're for you. We want you to be on the trail show, Casey Knocker. We, we respect love. We respect what you were doing with the National Donate Parks. to Nepal. And that's the show. It's both an honor and a blessing to be here on my birthday. Arriba, 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 tota. Did these guys have a blowtorch, too? <laughs> So that's your backpack, huh?